0: Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational and entertaining auto detailing podcast, hosted by Marshall Hill of
1: Total Auto Solutions and DJ Patterson of Eco Green Mobile Detailing.
0: Grab a pint and enjoy. (sighs) Hi community, this is Parker. Have you registered for Mobile Tech Expo? We hope to see you there on the community stage doing episodes. Or at the community pub at 5 on Friday after the show. Register at mobiletechexpo.com and save 15% by using the code PINTS. Enjoy the episode.
1: Hey, welcome to Saturday Night Sound Off. Bruno, welcome back. Thank you so much for taking your time. Trap, thank you for taking your time. Uh, I don't know about you all, but Saturday night, so I'm going to enjoy a nice uh, cold beer. What are you sipping on? on i don't know what you got oh a little juice box tiger king nice that's that's
2: that that's that fresh tiger pine baby
1: oh tiger pine that's why the shades are on huh (laughs) all righty then uh i don't wear shades uh
2: if you wore pit vipers you'd be three percent cooler
1: except if it was uh except if it was on that one podcast that was super fun All right, so uh, I'm drinking the Clown Shoes Barrel Age Josh the Boss Hog. So uh, Clown Shoes, thanks for the beer. we will give it a shot. All right, Saturday night pop off, sound off, whichever we wanna call it. Uh, Let's go Bruno first. I just like two minute introduction, let the community uh, remember who you are, uh, where you're from, all that good stuff.
3: Uh, Jason, I'm from Tampa, Florida i run and own the paint assassin brand the official brand of paint correction i'll add that in there uh i've been detailing for about five years so that's pretty much the rundown
1: all right has anybody ever had barley wine ale
2: uh barley wine no yeah. but i believe it's like the equivalent of drinking old wine from a barrel
1: yeah that's what i think it says and it says it's got plum puree it's it's really interesting. i mean extremely uh strong and then you taste that plum and it's a little soury so it's really interesting
0: oh okay hmm. all right trap Here.
1: two minutes who are you man
2: uh two my minutes. name's steven oh,
1: hey and yep. trap congratulations uh new place second place right
2: yeah congratulations I like, man two days ago yeah uh right before the uh <laughs> we're gonna be announcer shutting down again but it's okay i'm opening a grocery store uh oh. uh with a with every bottled water and bag of chip purchase um for 399 you get a free detail you can do it right there
1: there you go man so, super smart super smart yeah, it's the,
2: the blue star bodega yeah uh, <laughs> so uh yeah come get come get your snacks but yeah we uh opening a second location uh Uh, Right off of uh, in Mukilteo and kind of Everett area by the Boeing plant and uh, Easy access to an airport uh, Biggest, you know Industrial maker in the world Boeing airplanes and uh, right on the outskirts We got one in the central Seattle area. moved a little north um, to try and beat some of the traffic
1: Okay, so you're running two or you've moved locations.
2: Uh, We're gonna have two shops. Nice so we're going to be able to keep our our shoreline location and uh, you know still service all our clients there and then have access to more cuz i have people travel from like canada and i have people to travel from like oregon and like eastern washington so like having shops that are like kind of on the outskirts of the city just kind of helps make traveling a little easier to like beat that traffic and stuff so when i have people come down from canada it's like a difference of like an hour drive so right. it saves them a little bit of time.
1: Cool. All right. So tonight's uh, tonight's uh, what do we um, outline, so to speak? I've got a a bunch of questions. Some will go fast. Uh, you know, we'll hit some real, some things real quick, and then we'll get into some uh, deeper, a little bit deeper dive questions, in a sense. So, trap. Uh, good thing you took your medicine. I took mine too. Uh, you ready to get into it?
2: Uh absolutely.
1: All right. Let's do it. All right. Trap. Favorite um, beer.
2: Favorite beer? Oh, yeah. I gotta I gotta stay classic, bro. Vin Diesel taught me. Always a Corona.
1: Mm. All right, Bruno. Sam Adams <laughs> Cherry from Wheat. Boston. Sam Adams Here? Cherry Wheat. Nice, Bruno.
3: Favorite food? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, it's it's a toss up between Italian and barbecue. Oof.
1: Trap
2: the fucking chicken wings
1: mm, yeah what sauce what sauce on there
2: uh, it kind of depends and the mood usually we go with the classic honey barbecue but sometimes we spice it up with some uh some reaper sauce It just kind of depends on yeah. where we're at like different different areas you know yeah i try different flavors you know it's also like you know how's the quality of the bathroom too at the place true before you, uh, true.
1: Before
2: you dive uh, too far
1: i spent many nights at buffalo wild wings so uh favorite sauce for me was the Thai curry.
2: Oh Thai curry is a good one.
1: Oh love Thai curry. I actually it's just great.
2: left Buffalo Wild Wings. Hmm. Currently sitting on like thirty-five thousand Buffalo Wild Wings points. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Trapp, favorite favorite music.
2: Music? Oh, I like uh hardcore gangster rap. If it's not, I like if it's uh about uh killing people selling drugs and hustling that's my that's my jam that's
1: your shit huh all right it's it's
2: just a stark contrast
3: (laughs) (laughs) oh i would have to go with old school hip-hop man early 90s late 80s all
1: right favorite song from back then
3: then Ooh.
1: (sighs) okay too
2: tough it's too
1: tough
3: all right all right here's my favorite one (laughs) ice cube no vaseline
2: oh wow a little, little west coast there
3: all right oh yeah
1: uh were you uh biggie or tupac uh,
3: i'm from the north i'm from, I'm from the east coast mm-hmm. uh, the northeast i should say so Biggie.
2: it's tupac baby
1: mm. uh tr- no, trap, i could see that <laughs> i could see that trap definitely <laughs> all right uh favorite platform to uh listen to music
3: uh, I use Google Play, which got sold out to YouTube. So now <laughs> YouTube music.
2: Uh, currently sitting on a new Spotify playlist um, and standard YouTube.
1: Uh, all right. I'm going to hit you up about that Spotify playlist. I love grabbing playlists and listening to stuff. So uh, I'll hit you up uh, and see if I can get that uh, playlist from you.
2: Oh, you're going to hate it. Every, every, every single song, you're going to expect be like, this is awful nice like it's the best
1: all right favorite movie <laughs> trap what's your favorite movie
2: oh fuck hmm. oh it's, it's gotta be a tie between the original twilight and uh fast and the furious
3: are you fucking around right now
2: bro give me them <laughs> give me them shiny fucking vampires bro
3: <laughs> <Just>
2: <laughs> give me that oh, fucking shit. shiny vampire bro
1: oh no <laughs> oh god yeah confirmed by the wife confirmed by the wife oh
2: i'm about that life bro okay it, give man, me, me that thing. old truck bella drove bro i guess it was dope
1: do your thing man do your thing bruno
3: have you seen taylor lautner with his shirt off <laughs> my favorite movie shawshank redemption man
1: mm.
3: i'm a big stephen king fan
1: that's a good one that's a good one that's a good one all right, if you could live anywhere, Bruno, where would you live?
3: Germany.
0: Oh.
3: I've already lived there, so I know what the culture's like over there and how the healthcare is over there. So yeah, dirt Germany.
1: Alright.
2: Where would I want to live? Yeah. Is there any place better than the USA? Yeah. Possibly Japan, actually. I fucked with some Tokyo. Like I was a lot of fun when I went there, but I've also never really gone anywhere. So like my world travels like going to the different sites in vegas and imagining they're like actual places to live so you go to like paris (laughs) at the paris casino like you know it seems all right you know it's a little 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 too many baguettes for me then you go Uh, to like the palms you're like that's a desert that's got to be dubai i'm a big fan (laughs) of uh new york new york that's it i like like that too but i just something about new york it's not not a big fan of that place
1: never been i just mean the hotel like or the York casino York. there in Vegas I, that's I like staying there I like some of the spots there there's always some places I like to go eat and
2: oh it's they had that roller coaster isn't it
1: yeah and it's got the roller coaster okay
2: yeah yeah that's a good one yeah I always forget that one
1: yeah like right by the MGM. all right uh favorite spot to vacation
3: North Carolina mm.
2: favorite spot to vacation I don't really go anywhere
3: <laughs> what's a vacation
2: Uh, it's either it's either Hawaii or California.
3: Yeah, I've never been. Never been to Hawaii.
2: Oh, Newport. I I
1: like that place too. All right. When you were a kid, Bruno, what did you want to be growing up?
3: I wanted to be a pro athlete, man, or a lawyer. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I wanted to be. uh, I wanted to be the quarterback of Notre Dame. Nice. That was my. (laughs) That was my dream. Didn't quite make it. Didn't quite make it. They never called. Actually. Yeah.
3: I, uh, I played basketball in high school. I was pretty good, you know. I got a, a scholarship, a partial scholarship offer to uh, a, a second, uh, second-rate college, a, a 2D school. Yeah. But I ended up having a kid and I ended up joining the Army, so that kind of just went Phew, You Phew. had a full scholarship to a no, community partially. college? No, I was <laughs> in a community college. Fitchburg State University, man.
1: Yeah, uh, I went to Washtenaw Baptist. Uh, we were a D2 school.
3: What
2: about no. you, Chad? Uh, when I, I wanted to grow up, to. Uh, I wanted to be a baller and a shot caller.
1: 20-inch plates. Uh, but I, I,
2: played, I played a lot of baseball and snowboarded a lot. Other than that, yeah. like, I really had no admirations to do much of anything.
1: Uh, what position? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was a pitcher and played third base.
1: Nice, man. That's cool. Probably I why I have, have, have shoulder catcher,
2: problems.
1: Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I still have shoulder problems. <laughs>
0: Just, that it, was, it's it. that a good. was a lot uh, of
1: problems. I've really been enjoying that cryotherapy where they freeze you. So if if, you, if you've got tightness and a lot of inflammation, go find a cryotherapy place and you you go in and on a weekly or you can do it more than once a week. I'll
2: take that out. It, it really
1: has helped, uh, you know, loosen me up, and I, it's really been starting to work on my shoulder too. So
2: that's like that back shoulder, and then you're like, oh my god.
1: Yep, it's tough, especially the to older throw, you trying get. Trying to
2: man. throw ninety when you're like eight years old and like this isn't this isn't how you do that. <laughs>
1: Uh, Trap, what's been your favorite accomplishment in life so far?
2: Probably this. That's a good accomplishment.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I don't know. I think there's been a lot of just bounce backs from places that were like, oh, okay, like things got fucked up. I made it back out. Um, I think opening my second shop's been another huge accomplishment. Um, signing the lease on that, uh, Really? It's like, I don't know. I don't really, I haven't really accomplished anything. <laughs> well, that was a thing, but.
0: <laughs> I mean,
1: you're you're operating this, a business and you're, you've got a family, man. It's a Yeah. It's I mean, I'm,
2: I don't ever, I never went really went to college or anything. So it's like, I never had like a big, like, oh, this was a grand thing. I was like, I decided to open my own business. And then I've had to fight tooth and nail for the last six years to get it to where it's at. And I guess that's the biggest accomplishment. Mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how to raise a child like that's a as a giant child uh (laughs) i worry about packaging that says like use with adult supervision because i'm supposed to be that adult supervision and i shouldn't be that adult supervision (laughs) like like this is the choking hazard i'm like i know (laughs) how do i give myself the heimlich maneuver
1: bruno what about um, you what's been I your
3: probably my big my, an accomplishment that i'm most proud of probably is <laughs> getting my combat infantry badge in the military that's a pretty yeah. big accomplishment for me so it is.
1: It's, a, it's a big accomplishment it's
2: uh, a huge one yeah thank you for your service what was it yesterday uh, yeah. monday have,
3: it was tuesday
2: okay I
3: don't know. Hey, I and if anybody doesn't know what a combat infantry badge is, I'll kind of clarify real quick. It's a badge that you get as an infantryman. You have to be an infantryman to get it. And you have to be involved in a firefight, not just get shot at, but actually shoot back. So, yeah, there's, there's the whole criteria for it. And I met those criteria to get it. So, yeah.
1: So, so in a sense, you met somebody, you know, face to face in a sense and a shooting combat and, and you were able to walk away.
3: Yes, pretty much. Yeah.
1: That's awesome, man. I mean, that's <laughs> you went you went toe to toe with another uh, human being, and you were able to survive. So that it's it's, it's a major accomplishment, man. I, I,
3: I wouldn't call it toe to toe. Giving me a little bit too much credit there, but you know, I was behind uh, I was in a truck behind a screen with a trigger, like Call of Duty, and I shot him from that that point. <laughs> yeah, he's
2: like I was actually in an office flying a drone. <laughs> I was I was in LA. I
3: was I was I didn't even touch the gun. That's the funny part. <laughs> I should have used a, a trigger that was inside. So yeah.
1: Hey, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do, bro. Yep. You stayed stayed safe and you did a good job, man. We we are grateful. Uh so Bruno, what what motivates you?
3: <laughs> um uh, just to let's see, what motivates me to be the best, and to prove people wrong and shut them up. What
1: do you mean, prove people wrong? What What are you trying to prove? Um,
3: so ever since I was in the military, uh, it's, it, it branches off of that. Like, there's been like I don't have a college degree or anything like that. And in the military, if you have a college degree, you will get promoted a lot faster. Uh, so I was always like that. I stood I stood at E four for about four years, which is pretty a pretty long time in that rank, because I've seen a lot of other people who get promoted before me and ahead of me just cuz they have a college degree but don't have the same accolades as me. So, uh saying I've been told oh you'll never make E5 while you're in. I was like, all right, cool. You know, just a lot of doubt, a lot of doubt and uh same with the industry too. I I know there's a lot of chatter and stuff like that like oh well paint assassins ain't going to do anything. It's only going to be a Facebook group and all that shit, but there's a lot more coming especially for 2021 because, you know, 2020 has just been a shit show.
1: Awesome. Uh I'd submitted it my first of reflection groups. of the week. Uh,
3: yeah, you put a video, bro. I can't use a video.
1: Oh, damn. Fuck. I always miss the dates and then now I miss the actual type of media. <laughs> All right. One day, one day I got this man. One day. All right. Uh, trap. What motivates you?
3: Ooh, I think it's in his lap.
2: Uh, my, well, it's, it's changed <laughs> recently, right? Don't like, turn
1: the camera around. We don't want to, we really don't want to see.
2: The, uh, like before, before I became, uh, a father, right. It was like, it was just me progressing for myself. And I was like, there's a very selfish motivation or it's like, I just want to continue to try and like, you know, almost like I want to just, I'm trying to get to where I can afford the cars that I work on. Right. And it's always been just like this hustling mentality of just being like, okay, like I'm on this one, like I need to get to the next one. Right. And it's just always been that. But like after my daughter was born, like everything in my brain kind of switched over just like, it's not necessarily about dollars. It's more about time and preparing for like long-term goals. Like I used to just plan like a year, two years. Now I have plans that are 20, 30 years out. Like to just try and like because I know that I'm gonna have a child that'll be 20 to 30 years old. Yeah. Right?
1: So so what is that? So I was gonna say so if that child's 20 to 30, what are your goals by the time she's 20?
2: Well, I hopefully like I can not be doing this, and well, you know talking I don't to, have Bruno to. and
1: I. Fuck. I also right.
2: talk to you guys, but like I, I I'll be, in, we I'll be like in I'll be in like flip flops with some board shorts. All and, right, like, my,
1: now we're talking. Yeah. You
2: know, like that kind of stuff, like the day i just want to be able to put myself in a position where like i don't have to struggle every day and i'm not worried about just like cash flow constantly and then also like when my daughter's 20 you know i know that i'm not necessarily going to tell her that she has a substantial investment already because i don't want her to know that i want her to instill her own work ethic and then be her be rewarded with that because I don't want her to like, you know, I'm not gonna save for 20 years for her and then have her go buy a Barbie Jeep. <laughs> like, like I'm gonna, you know, work from when she's like, you know, when she's young up until like she goes off to college and then she knows what she wants to do. She wants to invest it. She wants to do this and then hopefully like you have generational wealth. Because if I die or like, you know, or something happens to me, I want to make sure that my family's taken care of. Because it's no longer just about me and buying cool shit. And driving a lambo but it's making uh, yeah but (laughs) it's when she's old enough that i've saved enough money i can give her the interest and buy the lambo like
1: (laughs) so i was gonna ask when you were talking about the cars and stuff so is that is that the dream car the lambo
2: oh no this is a metaphor like i I personally like i'm a i'm a ferrari guy but like like that's the ultimate goal for me as a four five eight like I just really like that that Ferrari in particular. Like I like Lambos, but I'm just not a huge Volkswagen fan. If I'm gonna buy something unreliable, it's gonna be an Italian car. Like something that's gonna be expensive to fix and break all the time. I don't want a British car. I don't wanna I don't want a Volkswagen. Give me that give me that hunk of junk from Italia. That nice leather seat. I wanna hear that cow moo when I sit into it. That's what I want. <laughs>
1: Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bruno, I, I'm sure you've had, uh, I'm sure you've, how, how was it being over, uh, over fighting going, uh, did you have fears while you were there?
3: Of course I did, man. And, and that's, that's,
1: that's why I was kind of pausing on my question because once I really thought of it, I was like, I, I imagine over, you know, in those instances and you, you had some really gut checks. So what's been some of your biggest fears?
3: Uh, failure is definitely a big fear of mine and, um, especially being in the military and, and, and being overseas, you have a lot of uh, responsibility on you, not for, just for yourself, but for everyone that's with you and Mm -hmm. being in a leadership position that I was in it's a lot of pressure man i'll tell you the first mission we ever went on uh i, I used a, i had a 249 uh saw which is a automatic machine gun and um i was so fucking nervous going out i had my ammo in backwards okay so i had to like you know stop before we went out the wire fucking take everything out put it right away and everything like that that was one of the first first instances where uh, my fear kind of showed the second one would probably have been when you, you first get shot at, cause you don't know where it's coming from. Like I, I, I fucking ducked. I was like, Oh shit, where the fuck it's coming from instead of just reacting to whatever. So after those two instances, that fear kind of went away. It's, I think, I feel like once you get that fear out of the way, everything is like smooth sailing from there. So after those two instances overseas, it was just like you on it, you know, you get shot at, you already know where the fuck it's coming from. You shoot right back. I had, I didn't put my ammo upside down anymore or anything like that. So, uh, fa- failure is probably one of my biggest fears, but it's also probably one of my biggest like strengths as well, because when, when I'm afraid to fail, like I do, my damnedest and my hardest not to,
1: uh, what about, what about, now that uh, where you're at in life, you know, coming out of military in a sense and, and being a, a civilian and, and what, you're, what you're doing in life now and paint assassins and the brand and everything, what's what's been some fears lately?
3: I, I honestly can't even say I have a fear. I mean, and I know that may sound a little cocky mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. but yeah. uh, just what I've been through uh, in the past decade has uh, given me the, a good mindset and a good feeling on on a lot of things and I just go after whatever I want to go after because honestly if I do fail and I don't even want to say it fail but if I don't make it to where I want to be I just toss it as a lesson learned and I just keep moving forward
1: what's the overall end goal
3: uh I want pain assassins to be self-efficient where it's just you know a constant flow of revenue whether if it's from training whether if it's from you know the the clothing line or anything like that and I want to have a training center and that's exactly what I'm working for so that's like my my uh ultimate goal the long-term goal is to have that big training center you know I mean I'll use Rennie Doyle as an example that dude's got a good uh training center and everything like that so I mean I kind of use him as a motivation too. It's like, all right, this is what I want. I don't want the same thing he has because I want it obviously as my own, from my own mind. And I don't want to try to mimic him or anything. But just as as far as he has his, uh, his uh, big warehouse to do all his trainings and everything, that's exactly what I want to do. And that's exactly where I want to be. All right,
1: man. Uh, I like it. I like it. Uh, Trap, what about you? What's uh, What's been your biggest fear?
2: Oof. Well, it's, it's hard because, like, I kind of lived through that, um, being in a position where, like, you know, you know when I was younger, it was kind of in a rough rough spot, right? And then when I, when I hit that very bottom around, like, 23, um, where everything was a fucking mess, then I've pulled up out of that. And you don't, you don't have to
1: go into detail out of privacy, but general idea, what do you mean you were you were in a bad spot? I mean, for me, when I think bad spot in my life it was depression, and it was uh, you know, after my girls got they were gone, and I mean it was a point where I had to like decide if I wanted to live or die. You know, for yeah. me that was a tough spot. So what what was it for you? What, what what do you mean by tough spot?
2: Well, I had a I had a problem with pharmaceuticals, okay. Uh you know stemming from injuries I had when I was younger and then so when you when I hit that floor at about 24 and then ended up you know spending a little bit of time in a uh, penitentiary I decided to uh I got out and I was like well that was a fucking shit show and uh I just uh actually got started professionally detailing in work release workshop program from the uh, that's awesome from the prison I was in yeah
1: that's and awesome.
2: I just was like I'd always detailed my own cars from like 14 and like I was that I was like one thing that was always therapeutic for me mm-hmm. right and so then like I just focused everything on just like perfecting this craft and almost like using it as my own like form of like meditation mm-hmm. and I've just continued to grow this basically this little seed of hope from when I was like 25 uh 26 and then and now here i am 32 about to turn 33 and it's been like it doesn't matter how bad things are how bad i fail i've already seen what the bottom is so i already know how to pull myself out of it it's just constant persistence and like when you hit that wall and everything's closing in on you you just got to do something right pick a direction and then just make another decision there and that's how I, that's when I've like, you know, the first time I almost lost my shop and the second time I almost lost my shop, right? Those were all moments when you're supposed to stop. You're supposed to quit. Everyone's telling you, it's like, this isn't going to work. And I was like, it has to work, right? You're just diagnosing that beater car until you get it to run again. And it's just progressively gotten better and fine tuning it and changing the formulas. And next thing you know is now I'm working on my second location and we're, you know, we're almost at four hundred thousand in sales since the last time. So, like, I restarted my shop two and a half years ago after my building got sold on my first location. So I went from being like having a nice shop, everything was going great, to fifteen days had to move into a thing and start detailing out of my parents' driveway to try and just keep it going, keep it going. Signed a sublease, had no money when I signed when I signed the sublease on my shop. It was the last thousand dollars I had. Like it was legitimately the last. All in, huh? In my head. All in. I, love I was it. like, I'm doing it, right? Yeah. I'm gonna. It's. I mean, I've been broke before. Like I've had no money before. I can make this happen, right? And so then I just bet on myself, and I'm just like, I was like, I I know working for other people's, you know, at the time, like uh, working for other companies was very hard because of my criminal history, because of the record I had. Right. So like I had to create my own opportunity. And as I and as I continue to grow as a person and as like almost as like a mentor to some people from underneath me, like I'm I'm seeing a completely different vision down the road. And it's like you wouldn't even I'm, like most I'm, people wouldn't even have guessed that like I had a real shitty history like eight years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like and it's like I've almost lost my shop multiple times you know, bad business partners, taxes, everything that can go wrong has gone wrong. And I'm still here because I refuse to quit. Yeah. And that's a test to anybody who's out there who might be struggling. Uh Is like, it doesn't, everything can fall apart, but you'll always have yourself to fall back on. And in this industry, there's so many people who, you know, you might be working for somebody else. You might not know what to do. You can always find a car to clean. You can always start, there and start generating revenue with just the skills that you have. Right. And you can just continue to snowball that snowball, that snowball that and learn from every mistake, learn how to save money, learn how to put things aside, learn how to divide your finances up into ways where you're not running into problems because of potential shutdowns and stuff like that. Don't overextend yourself. Don't overextend yourself. Don't look at these giant shops of people and be like, wow, they must be killing it. Right. When they're just floating you know hundreds of thousand dollars in this revolving door
1: let and, me let me pause on that yeah uh, overextending yourself because I, I think it's a problem that a lot of young guys have I, and I, I say young meaning young in business um we see what other people have or whether that's a fancy tool whether that's a a new extractor, whether that's, I think you were mentioning a big, you know, a big shop. You know, there's a lot of guys that, you know, we'll do the trainings like Jason, where I met you, specifically at that one, there was guys there that were looking at Lovato shop and just going, oh my word, I just kid like, you know, and, oh, this is the right, you know, and they were just so fascinated on the bigot, you know, and I want this and I want, and there's a lot of, I think for, for those early young business owners, that they get fascinated with stuff. And you mentioned not overextending yourself. So can you break that down to a little bit more uh, from the (laughs) lessons that you learned by, what do you mean by fully overextending yourself? How far does that go? What what really do you mean?
2: So I'll take this from my first shop. Mm -hmm. The first shop that I leased was 6,500 square feet in Seattle it was a, it was a giant overhead cost. Right. I had no clients. I was fresh out the gate. I had a, I had an idea based on what I had seen other people do not realizing that they had put in years before me to build up a client base, to be able to mm-hmm. nest and harvest and grow that big shop. Right. Cause big shops, a lot of space. Well, how are you making dollars per square footage in that space? Right. I see people that are buying, you know, They have 14 different polishing machines when they're just starting and they keep buying new stuff. You don't need that. You need your polisher, right? Like a a samurai doesn't have 200 swords, right? They have their sword, right? That's unique. And like people are spending a bunch of money on chasing down various products and marketing scams. And it's like, use what works. Use what you, you know how to use to create that product that your clients are happy with, right? And then you can start like growing a little bit and also keep saving. You gotta have some money aside because if like things go bad, which they will, you need to be able to know that you can afford to have things go bad.
1: Why do you say things are gonna go bad? I mean, there's there's a big mentality I think of detailers, especially if you go around in a bunch of the different groups, it said everything's everybody's so busy. Everything everybody's so booked out. Everybody's it's everything's so amazing. So why why would you why would you say that they're gonna have bad times?
2: Because you will. Every every industry is gonna have spikes. It's gonna have lulls. You're gonna have marketing that doesn't work. You're gonna have environmental things that you can't deal with. There's always gonna be something that's gonna you know. It's just like the stock market. Right. It's it's gradually going to go up, but you're going to have dips and valleys along the way. Right. And anybody who who's owned a real business knows that there's going to be strife, trials and tribulations that you have to overcome. Right. And a lot of people aren't prepared for that. A lot of people only prepare themselves for like, oh, I made five thousand dollars this week. So since I made five thousand dollars this week, I have five thousand dollars to spend. Like, no, you don't. Yeah. Most people haven't even thought about the fact that, you know, 35% of all their money that they make should just be setting in, a, sitting in an account, waiting to send it off to the government every year for taxes. Right. Like how, like people don't understand, like machines will break, right. Your van will break down. Like these kind of things are real problems that people don't have savings for. Right. Like my steam cleaner broke. It was, it was a thousand dollars to fix my steam cleaner. Right. Can you, can you afford to have that steamer down for four weeks, right? Like, how are you, how are you turning, you know I couldn't do engine details or other details because of my steam cleaner was gone. I had to buy another steam cleaner just to make sure that I had a steam cleaner cause my other one was broken, right? So like there'll be times when like right now like my state will probably shut down again tomorrow. So like if my state gets shut down again tomorrow and people are out of work again when we just started to bounce back, <clears throat> How are you going to float that time when you have to take time off, right? So like you need people oftentimes look at the best part of a scenario and they plan for the best instead of having the foresight to think about what's the worst possible scenario and planning to have that as your base. Because if you have if you have a safety net, then you'll be able to know, like, if everything goes to shit, I know I can still maintain and go on.
1: I wanted to break in here and and just say listen, if if you're if you're hearing what he's saying and, and you could really use a safety net, especially moving into times like we're in, listen, that's why I created a community. We have a community pub every Wednesday night, 7:30 central on Zoom. Go to meeting ID 918 800 1188. Right? It's a safety net. We all get in, we drink beer, we have a good time, but it's a mix, right? It's There's detailers like myself, 18 plus years in the industry. And then we've got guys that just started weeks ago to a year ago, part-time, full-time. There's people talking about maybe leaving their job and starting a detail career full-time. I mean, it's a mix of everybody. <coughs> Be active in the community. You never know what you're going to learn on the community pub. So that's Wednesday, 730 Zoom ID, 918-800-1188. I really look forward to having a beer with you on the community pub.
2: Like my second shop. Like I signed the lease knowing that I my state can be shut down again. Like two days ago, I have the foresight to know that you know, even if I don't utilize that building, I can pay for that building for a year. So like, so that I could just hold that spot until things get better. Right. 2020 has been a real wake up call for a lot of people who are don't real. they just think that you can just continually make money off wear and tear on your body. Right. But what happens when you break an arm? Like yeah. what happens when you have a heart attack?
0: Preach, it. Preach it.
2: So like you have to like are you prepared for those scenarios? Like if my shoulder goes out, how am I supposed to polish cars and make money? Right. You have to you have to plan for and have to think like things that can happen and you have to make sure that you have plans in just in case things happen. If it doesn't, then fine, you're still covered. It's one of those things like you can be covered with something and know that you just have that safety net instead of Trap. Being- why
1: do you think most people don't do that? <clears throat>
2: Most people only look at the, at the positive side of things. They see like, they don't, and a lot of people have problems saving. A lot of people don't save money, right? They don't, they don't see the value of a dollar or investments. Like, and especially a lot of people in the detailing industry, at least that I know come from a lot of like rough backgrounds where they're used to not having anything. Mm -hmm. So now that they have money and they have access to actual wealth, they kind of just like to blow it on shiny shit. Like, I mean, I'm guilty of it. Like I've done it. I'm not without faults. It's how I also know that I've been making mistakes what? and how I do my finances because I've like, fallen into those pitfalls.
1: Bruno, what, what do you think? Why do you think uh, people go that direction with uh, always wanting to put out how great everything is, but uh, maybe not everything's always great.
3: Because they just want to look like they're the man. I'll, I'll go off what Trap said too. It's like they want to buy the shiny shit and they want to make themselves look successful. And I don't, I don't, I think people are sometimes scared to show that they didn't make it or, or they failed. But I encourage people to to show where they failed because it could help somebody else in the long run. Like Trap just, you know, shared his story, and you know, I, I really do appreciate it because it takes a lot <laughs> to share something like that. Yeah. And um, if there's any listeners out there who are have are going through something similar, I mean, I encourage people to reach out to those people too. like, you know, talk to them, see what they did to overcome stuff and how they got to where they are and what they're doing to stay where they are, too, because that's a that's a big part of of growth is is to fail um, and to hit rock bottom. So uh, to just piggyback off what Trap said. It's it's just it comes back down to just wanting to buy the shiny shit and to look like you're the man. I think that's a lot of what people are trying to do in this industry. They see a lot of the other people's with the big shops and shit, and they want those big shops. They want those cool cars in their shops, but they don't understand like those people who have those shops and those type of clientele. It, it took a took a little bit to get there. It didn't just happen overnight. It didn't just say, hey, I'm gonna just open up this big shop and then everything's gonna come through. You know, it takes time to build stuff.
2: And big shops aren't necessarily profitable.
1: Hey, uh, let me yeah. hold on, Trap. My uh yeah. my favorite movie, Bruno. You pretty much just quoted basically the premise of uh, of the favorite movie, The Natural. Mm-hmm. If you build it, they will come. And there's no doubt. I mean, it, it wasn't that no feel the Dreams? I, oh, you're right. Fuck, my bad. My bad.
3: Yeah, Feel
2: the Dreams. My bad. <laughs> I was like, it. I was like, that was a baseball movie. They were at yeah. Cornfield. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, clown shoes must have got me pretty good. <laughs> they did. Eleven uh, percent alcohol. So you we're know, I
2: need another one.
1: Um. Well, <laughs> I'm switching over to uh, Adventure Brewing. Ooh. From uh, that was when you, uh, when you when-
2: guys when you guys come to Washington, there's a uh, there's a place down the street from my house called Special Brews. And it's just a, it's just a, uh, a store with beers from all over the world. I think it's like 500 and something different beers. And they, and they have this thing where you can, if you try every single beer that they have, you can get a custom mug for the tap house. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's cool. We, we've got one of those McNellies. They do that too. Yeah,
3: um, of beer.
1: Bruno, yeah. did you hear when he, he, he said, when we come, so the invitation is open, uh, and trap. We will accept that invitation at some point. Uh, I'm already going.
3: I'm already booked for next year. Wait, what? Uh,
2: yeah, we'll, we'll oh. see. We'll see how the travel ban goes. Well,
3: uh, hopefully by next July, it'll be a little bit better. <laughs> oh, bro, we got another four years of this. Yeah,
2: we gotta wait for the. We gotta wait for like North Korea and like Russia to get their ships over, so they can start building uh, camps for us to make sure that. We can be educated in the ways of Rona. (laughs) Uh, Do
1: do explain. What do you mean?
2: Oh, I live in a communist state right now. (laughs) (laughs) I guess uh, our, uh, our wonderful fearless leader has made it illegal to meet with our families on Thanksgiving.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. That is super interesting. I have heard about that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really tough. I, I don't know how, I don't know how I would take it. I mean, so going, going up to the, the Northeast and being up there. So this was from Stafford when we were at Tango Mike's uh, uh, and had a, had a podcast there at Tango Mike's They're in adventure brewing. And so they gave me some beers. So uh, thank you guys. I'm going to enjoy this tonight. Uh, I really, it's a very smooth IPA, but when we were up there, man, it, it was, it's different. You know, I, I, I've been up to Seattle. Seattle's different, you know, I'm from Oklahoma. There's a reason it's a flyover state. We're, we're very sheltered, you know, we, we don't do much. It's, it's, it's a kind of a different place. Uh, I love to travel though, so I like to be out and about. I, I heard about people saying what you could or couldn't do in your own home for Thanksgiving. And I'm just telling you here in Oklahoma, yeah, I, I, it, would just, it just wouldn't fly there's no way
2: yeah we have this pocket of just idiots but the uh but we're also you're also talking about the state that allowed another country to form in it so yeah (laughs) so nothing surprises me anymore (laughs) but it's one of those things where you know it is but you as a
1: business owner when you hear about all the troubles that's going on up there i mean how. Oh, it's. I, I get it that you. I get it that you got money set back and that you you got stuff ready to go and uh, much respect for that. Uh, much respect. Uh, what? But as a business owner, do you ever question is Is this a good place for commerce?
2: It was. It was before the shutdown, because we have we have a lot of high paying tech jobs, but what happened in the downtown area is the tech company said, you can just work from home. So when you're talking about, you know, 50 to a hundred thousand people per company, not going downtown to, you know, to the bodegas, the coffee houses, the tourist attractions are all closed. Pike place markets, pretty much a wasteland.
1: Oh gosh. But that was such an amazing place. My favorite beer, is right around the corner at pike's place brewery and it's harlot's harvest oh yeah Uh, my favorite beer of all time yeah Uh, i i I love that area uh the uh the little russian bakery that had the
2: uh i don't know it was like
1: this yeah yeah that thing was awesome
0: i I went back
1: every time i went to seattle i always went back to get multiple ones of those most amazing then you could sit and just watch people walk around the market. There was fresh flowers, there was the the fish tossing. I mean, it was it was a very lively place, man. So I, it's it's really sad to think that that's not around.
2: Yeah, it it'll probably bounce back, but the uh it's not going to be the same as it was. And Seattle's a big food place. So we're there's a lot of really good food and a lot of good seafood yeah. that comes in yeah. off the boats and Yep. You know, we're a hub for a lot of, like, crab and fishing. A lot of mm-hmm. a lot of those industries are here, too. And they're all suffering. Like, you, the fishing people, they can't sell their fish. Right? Like, the restaurants are closed. Like, oh, there's, shit. So, like, it's a, it's, a, it's a trickle-down effect of not only, like, you know, like, my brother's a bread truck driver. Right? Or my brother-in-law's a bread truck driver. And he said, like, 80% of their accounts from downtown that have bread are just closed indefinitely. And you have to think like what place, have you, what place of business have you been to that orders rolls, burger buns, hot dog stands, all these like cultural things that are like small hubs that are just like waiting in limbo. And it's like, we just made it through, you know, through the first wave of Corona and then the, the rioting started, right? And then the rioting's going on for months at a time. And then a city's formed in the middle of our city, right? freeways to keep getting closed it's it's been a it's been a fucking mess but hopefully um things start to turn around because you know you can't just be all doom and gloom like there, everyone's still you know here there's things are happening on the outskirts you know the economy is going to come back but it's it's a lack of leadership um that's been the biggest issue because we're all on board to stop the problem that we have but it just seems like the only people getting in trouble for it are like you're the other side of the political spectrum right so like like it's just rules for one side of the the populace and like well that doesn't make any sense and for one like i'm not really one to you know we take our safety precautions we wear our masks we have our hand sanitizer i'm trained in you know in hazardous cleanup and blood work and all that kind of stuff i do all that stuff regularly but my thing is like why how can how can you say that You know, I can't have my family from California come up here unless they quarantine for 14 days. Well, where are they going to do that in my house? (laughs) Like I have a 500 square foot condo. Like that's the my whole house is this corner. (laughs) So I I would I would like to see things turn around a little bit because Seattle is a great area. It's it's one of the bigger economies in the United States. Um, And I love it. And I love the people here like they're some of them are assholes. But that's just called the Seattle freeze, and people get used to it. Like, don't ask people for directions here; they're not nice. Like, oh no. no. And, and never, <laughs> so,
1: so trap. I don't know if you've heard of my story of being up in uh in Seattle and how I found that beer, Harlot's Harvest. Uh, I I never smoked smoked weed back. I didn't smoke weed until about three years ago or so, uh, and it was from a, a a friend that suggested I do it out of all my depression. You know, losing my kids was a big deal. You know, uh, uh, coming, coming through a divorce and then having your kids go to another state, it, it was a moment of, uh, well, it was live or die, and I, I chose to live, and so I, I, use, uh, I use Oklahoma medical marijuana. I used it out of uh, um, Colorado for a while, and that's how I really learned to stay active in life and to choose to live every day instead of uh, choosing to end my life. Um, but it was hard when I first went to Seattle, I didn't understand that whole side of, uh, life and I smoked cigars and I would walk through the streets, trying to find a place to smoke a cigar. We were with a group and nobody would let us smoke a cigar, but you could walk around and everybody was smoking weed, man. It was, it was the most interesting city that you couldn't smoke a cigar, but you could walk down the streets and smoke weed. And I sat down at this bar that this guy finally let us in and we could sit over the side of, uh, 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 uh and he goes, listen, if one person complains, you're out. And I was like, fuck, man, it was so hard, but she brought a, a pumpkin ale. I tried it. And that was, that was my entry into craft, uh, breweries and to craft beer. And, uh, Seattle is a, is a really great place, man. So I, I'm really sad to hear that that area is not doing well. But what's interesting, so many in the detail industry just wanna talk about how crazy and amazing it's been for detailers through this time. And, and it has, right? It has been awesome. We've all done really well through the summer, going into the fall, most of it done really well. But, but moving in towards this October, November, there's many people that are starting to show slowdowns, starting to show oh, wait, we don't have as many customers that are starting to call, you know, and hearing what you're saying, we're hearing it from different places. I it, I think it's something that detailers should really start to hone in and listen to because it I, we how would it affect us? We're, we're not sure. You know, will people want to keep their cars cleaner? I would think so. But if they're not getting paid or if you know, they're questioning their own job or if, if they're having struggles in their industry, it, you mentioned trickle down. I mean, it, it trickles down to us, but few people want to talk about it. So man, I, I appreciate you stepping out and, and saying what's going on in your area and how bad it is in some places. So
2: it's not, it's not horrible. Like, like, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of like issues with the food side industry, service industry, but you know, again, we have tech jobs. Like, and that's the difference between like what, like Seattle specifically, Bellevue and then, you know, down, you know, California, like Texas and Austin, stuff like that. Like all these tech companies, like the people are happy to be working from home. Yeah. So they have more time. Right. And a lot of people aren't considering that as well. It's like, well, I've had this, I've had this, you know, buster of a year.
1: Hey, so let me, let me pause you. And let me ask you this question. Do you think, uh, and both of you chime in and answer, do you think then it would be wise for a detailer to go target business owners or certain businesses that are in the tech sector? Because if they're doing well right now, that would make sense. They would want to, uh, they would have the money to spend.
2: I think in any industry, like you need to, we're a luxury industry. Let's be real here. So we're not, in a, we're not a necessity in a sense where it's like people can clean their own cars, right? We're, we're a maid service. You know, we're a chef. You know, we're, we're there for people who want us to do their work, right? We're in surface protection and stuff like that as well. These are high ticket jobs. They're not for everyone, right? So whenever you're marketing, whether or not it's for a certain, you know, certain like business, you need to look at what your demographic is right? So like you're in Oklahoma, so I'd be targeting like oil field workers and stuff like that. Oh, no,
1: it was bad for oil. Oil was yeah. really bad earlier.
2: Yeah. Like that was, it's probably going to go even worse too. But uh, the, uh, but like you look at like, what are your big industries inside? No, but
1: in in any town, there should be people that are, are doing online type sales. Like, yeah, I think that would like I would just meaning like from from that perspective it it shouldn't matter really where you're at. there's gonna be people that are doing well, and as detailers, we should probably go try and find find those people is i can I kind of think is what I was meaning as yeah, yeah. Far as in the question. and
2: I think a lot of and I think a lot of people gotta understand that when things change, they change very fast, but then you also have this it doesn't matter what the circumstances are that you're dealt with your business. It's how you can adapt and change with it to make sure that you can maximize and stay current within whatever ecosystem that you're in. Right. Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to, you know, pivot or, you know, like I'm going down this one road of just all corrections and ceramic coatings, but you know, that well could dry up because of, you know, maybe new car sales are way down right? Like what's going on with the interest rates of things, right? So how can you adjust your whole model to be like, okay, well, I'm going to move over into the, you know, do you have a bunch of pet hair in your car? Because no matter, no matter the circumstances, somebody whose car is really dirty, they're going to want to clean it. And -hmm. those can be some high ticket jobs, right? So if, you know, you're going to have to sometimes sacrifice, you know, I may not be able to make $1,000 on a car, but I could do two $500 cars. Right. So like make, making sure that you can adjust and, you know, uh, basically adapt to whatever the environment is that you're dealt based on the social surroundings that you're in. Right. I, so I you're like always, it. cause change happens very fast. Like, yeah. like we went from like a very bustling economy to being like, just everything's in chaos in less than six months. So, and a lot of people are doing very well. A lot of people had a lot of time, but now we're moving into an area where I think the time's going to start to become more of an issue. And, you know, the winter months are usually good, but black Friday sales are pretty much going to be all online. Right. So then you also got to think, what are your Christmas gift cards? You know, are people going to be buying their parents and stuff car gift cards to get their cars cleaned when their grandma shouldn't be leaving the house. Right. So how are you going to adjust for those kind of scenarios? And how are you going to make sure that your marketing is in a way you can still be profitable um, through whatever, you know, recession or, you know, lull is going to happen because again, there's, we don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty right now in a lot of things. Like I know that, my personal that, business. That's why like,
1: I'm really glad we talked. That's why I, I really wanted you to bring that up. I, I mean, there is like, it's been so great, but we have to, we owe it to ourselves as business owners to question whether it's going to continue and, and with so many businesses, so many problems outside of our industry, there's a lot of theory that it's only a matter of time, and you know it 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 can, like you said, it can happen fast. So it's just a warning for young detailers. Um, all right, Bruno, I curious for you, what's been the hardest thing for you to overcome with the pain assassins?
0: Hmm.
2: Gian winning everything. Probably- Nah,
3: the hardest thing to overcome is... (laughs)
1: Yeah, that dude wins all the time, man. (laughs) He's super talented.
3: Uh, I'd probably say the hardest thing to overcome is to try to have people stop thinking it's just a Facebook group, because it's more than just a Facebook group now. I I feel like I've grown it enough to call it an actual brand now. And uh, as soon as, like, my plans start to come into play uh, next year it's going to show why I I'm actually calling it the official brand of paint correction. Cause uh, a lot of people will say, well, it's just a Facebook group. It's just a Facebook group. Yeah. It, it started out as a Facebook group. Um, I didn't know what I had at the time either. You know, I didn't know what direction I was going to go in and it just kind of took off by itself. And it started with just making fucking t-shirts and shit and, you know, giving away awards and all that stuff. But there's going to be a lot more to come. So I think one of the biggest things to overcome is to get away from just the, the social media platform of it.
1: And any, uh, any insight on how you're going to overcome that?
3: Well, I'm going to be starting trainings next year. Like I said, uh, one of the trainings is already booked up in Washington. So next year, uh, being. Oh, that's what writing.
1: you? No, you didn't say that. Hold on. No, <laughs> you didn't say that. All right. So we got yes. another exclusive. All right.
0: Two. So that, that's one of the biggest uh, Earlier in the
1: week, it was great. Jen hopped on. She, she came through town, and uh, she, you know, did her product launch uh, mm-hmm. off the episode. It was it was super fun. Joel hopped on. Uh great time that they would you know launch Jen's KO mix. Uh mm-hmm. I wish her all the best. Is it
2: is it Jen KO or it's Genko?
3: It's Gen KO because I saw Jenko too, and all I thought of I was, was jeans.
2: I was like, I was like, dude, I hope this comes in like <laughs> denim.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yes, I thought the same shit, man. But yeah, because someone was like, Yo, did you heard of the Genko? I said the jeans, They're like, no, 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 Jen's KO. I was like, Oh, yeah, I've heard about that, but You know, you say Jenko, my mind's going to go straight to the early 90s and think Um, of them big-ass jeans.
2: I can't wait for those to come back, dude. I'm going to throw my polisher in that back leg pocket. (laughs) I don't even need a detailer's helper belt anymore. I just got my Jenko's, bro. There
3: you go. You just got a whole
2: back leg full of towels.
3: (laughs) That's all you need. I can drop another exclusive if you want. I mean, I'm going to be launching a paint assassin guide, too, that goes over – a lot of stuff defects pads all everything that you could possibly think of that has to do with paint correction is going to be in this little book so people can go and refer to and the only reason why i did that is because i see a lot of people in detailing groups asking a lot of questions and some of these people get bullshit answers which is fucking not fair at all i feel like they should get a good solid answer from solid people in the industry which does happen from time to time but uh, to ch- kind of shrink those kind of uh, questions and answers, I, I want to come out with a-, a book that people can go to, be like, "All right, well, what's this defect? What can I do to attack it? Let me look at this book. Oh, okay, it's this kind of defect, and this is what I can do to attack it." So that's going to be coming out next year as well. Awesome,
1: awesome, and a uh, training copy. event up with Trap, huh? So that's uh... well,
3: it's not, it's it's at a, it's oh, fuck. Where's uh, where's Joe Shop? trap
2: what? what who kimball oh he's over on uh the peninsula he's like an hour away
3: yeah so that's where i'll be is over at joe kimball's shop for a couple of days and then i'll make my way down to seattle
2: uh just go around (laughs) just go around
3: (laughs) around. i can't i cannot i cannot go to washington and i cannot go see mr trap it has to be done
2: i'll be around just let me know when. I'll clear my calendar. I'll I'll surprise Joe. All right, cool. I'll show up, I'll show up in my car candy attire. Uh, I've never used it, but sure, why not? Right,
3: I'll bring my Bruno. bottle of ranch dressing. Mhm. Mayo. Some- oh yeah. Need a bottle of mayo.
2: Make that sh- make it
3: shiny. Just yep.
1: make it shiny, Bruno. Slather it, Bruno. How do you define detailing?
3: <laughs> Cleaning cars. <laughs> To, to a professional standard I mean anybody can clean a car but I mean there's a lot more to it than just you know vacuuming a carpet and, and wiping down an interior it goes beyond that you gotta look at the chemicals you're using and everything like that because I've seen detailers use like uh pine saw or whatever to like do their leather seats and I'm like no that's horrible for your leather man I mean it goes way beyond that and that's I really want detailing as an industry to stop being looked at as a, as a hobby and more of a technical job because it it is with all the machines and chemicals we use now and and all the different things that cars have different kinds of leather and and, and cloth interiors and different kinds of paint. Now it's, it's, it's evolved so, so much where we're not just basic car washers anymore. Detailing needs to be looked at differently.
2: It needs to be recognized as a trade, like a body member painter. A hundred hundred
3: percent needs to be looked at as a technical trade.
1: All right. So Trap, how do you define detailing?
2: Uh making things shiny. Uh it's basically amateur chemistry. Uh mixed mixed with whoa, a little whoa. bit of luck. There's
3: a lot of chemists in detailing. What are you talking about?
2: Uh I prefer to get all my uh chemical information off of uh Greg Masterson's videos.
0: <laughs> and
2: uh like no cap like when i first started like really getting into detailing and i opened my first shop i watched one of greg's videos when he was like going over like the torque effects like chemical guys like polishing system and that's how i started like really cutting paint besides using a rotary i had this like sh- it was so shitty this thing was like it vibrated like a jackhammer had no power <laughs> that, it would take let, me let be would, real
3: you weren't gonna say that oh
2: it just literally it took so long to uh to do
3: anything because he still got it he still got it nope
2: but i worked that thing into the ground sorry my tv started going off i worked that thing into the ground to a point where it caught on fire oh. when i was using it And I was like, I sent a message to chemical guys. I was like, Hey, can you guys like explain to me why this motherfucker burst into flames when I was using it? And, uh, they sent me another one. It just became a clay pad thing. That's how I started. And, uh, the, uh, recognizing now that there's so much back end chemistry, SDS sheets, safety protocols, and all these things that we need to go through, like hazmat training, Mm -hmm. bio cleanings, mold remediation. All this stuff that gets way overlooked in our industry, that there needs to be some sort of almost, I wouldn't say like regulation, but there needs to be a standard that like it's that we are recognized as people in a train and it's an actual skill set.
0: Hi, this is Parker. I want to see you in the community pub on Wednesdays at 7:30 Central. The zoom ID is 918. 800-1188. Again, that's Wednesday at 730 Central. The Zoom ID is 918-800-1188. Come on. Tell me you can't just have one. Right. It's uh, let,
1: let me let me pause on that real quick, Trap, and I want to say I, I reached out to Greg recently. So I met Greg at uh, Rennie's SEMA event last year, and uh I, I didn't know who he was, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I haven't, I mean, part of being in Oklahoma, part of just being me, I, I haven't known anybody really in the industry until the past couple of years. Uh, DJ would have to introduce me to people. We'd be at a, I think it was SEMA pint night, 2018 Larry Casella walked in and there was a couple of people that go, Oh, there's Larry. And I go, who's Larry? Like, I mean, yeah. I, 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 I haven't known any, I just, I, I just didn't know anybody. I, I, so, uh, <laughs>
2: I mean, Ammo has a real name. <laughs> it's just his name's Ammo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and I don't know where I was going. You got yeah. me. It I'm gone.
2: Something about you're talking about Greg and like Greg is.
1: Oh like, yeah, I reached out to Greg. Thank you very much. Thank you. Like I, you, I, I was gone after that. So. <laughs> Uh, I reached out to Greg and said, hey, man, I, I've kind of watched him since I met him at that event, and, you know, he's, he's a personality, no doubt, he, and good for him. You know, he doesn't shy away from who he is, and he shouldn't. I, I'm, I'm happy that there's a guy in the industry that wants to be himself mm. and wants to do it the way he wants to do it, and I don't know the story of him and Chemical Guys, but so that's why I reached out to him and said, man, I... I I, I've seen what you're doing. I would love for you to come on to a real talk and and have a discussion. So hopefully he does, because I'd like to get to meet the guy. I'd like to understand who he is and um, you know. I'd see. like to
3: be on that real talk episode Me too. because I would be. I would love to know some shit too. Yeah, the thing, the thing and about, I'm not trying to dog the guy. I mean, I'm. I'm well, curious I'm not either. I
1: don't know anything about him, but there's a lot of people that dog him, and I, 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 I'm really people, curious why.
2: People get on Greg, and this is what I notice online. They get on him. Because he's a marketing genius. I mean, comes-
1: so there's people that say that. What, so why do you say that somebody, not necessarily him, just anybody would be a genius of marketing?
2: Because look at what we're doing. We're talking about fucking Greg Masterson right now.
0: There
1: you go. So it's brand awareness. So yeah. as detailers, how do we look at somebody that's creating awareness and associated to our local market? Is that a thing that we could do?
2: I mean, everyone has to show a little, like, be authentic with themselves. There you and, go. And like...
1: There you go. And didn't we say earlier, a lot of people want to fake who yep. they are and what yep. they're doing, but yep. you've got a guy that's getting awareness because he's being real and transparent. So the lesson is learned, Trap. You're you're absolutely right. The, the lesson learned is, listen, detailers just... It's not like you got to go fucking raw and, you know, go all the way, you know, but listen, you, you, you need to storytell. You need to tell your customers who you are. Why are you in business? You know, what, why do you do what you do? That's, it's a very big lesson learned for anybody that's in business. So I, I it's a great point, Greg. I mean, I'm the point,
2: new Masterson's apparently yeah. it's the glasses. It's just like me with the pineapple <laughs> pizza thing. Right
0: yeah
2: <laughs> it has become it's become a thing that's transcended outside of just the detailing community yeah to where now it's like a conversation piece with like clients of mine so in and, and it's i don't like, know the
1: pineapple so explain what do you mean
2: um i'm a firm believer that pineapple should be nowhere near a pizza
3: oh completely agree
2: and so uh i've been oh, riding yeah.
3: y'all y'all's taste buds are screwed
2: i mean I would give you some credibility in that statement.
1: I wouldn't. I wouldn't.
2: But, I wouldn't. however,
1: I like pineapple, but not pizza. I
2: pizza. can't get past the fact that you're gonna have any sort of taste buds <laughs> when everything gets stuck in your mustache. So oh, you've just been on. eating like <laughs> particles.
0: It's my flavor saver, bro. Not flavor saver.
2: You, you just savoring the wrong flavors. So would you eat a pizza knowing that that pizza was trying to kill you? No. And also,
1: well, that's pepperoni. Would you... I mean that's sausage?
2: That's no, I'm talking pizza. about the acidity in the pineapple. The acidity of the pineapple eats your insides. The what next... about the
3: acidity in the fucking tomato sauce,
2: bro? That's what the cheese is for. No, not... <laughs> and that's and that's going off your premise that tomatoes agree. are fruit. It's not, it's yeah. a vegetable. It's a different. Hey, assembly. listen,
1: I'm out of pizza discussion too. I had to give up pizza when my cholesterol hit over 440. So pizza for me is now cauliflower pizza.
2: Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Then, uh, But then you also got to look at the fact that Hawaiian pizza in itself is built on the foundation of lies and we don't like liars. So there's no, there's nothing Hawaiian about it. That shit was made in Australia, and they were making fun of us when they decided to put it together and sell it to back to us as some sort of pipe dream. And then, oh, bacon is just ham. Oh, like they God. got real bacon in Canada, so you're just taking all these lies and putting it on a pizza and just disrespecting pizza.
1: Trap, hold up that package you showed earlier. What one? So, so we get an understanding of where you're at. There was a, a certain package you held up, and it, it showed us what you were. Yeah, oh, there you this, go. There you this go. Is,
2: this is this is my Tiger King air freshener. This is this is that pine baby.
1: Oh, I thought it was something else.
2: Oh no, you I'm on a... to
3: Florida and see Carol.
2: Oh shoot, <laughs> I would love that,
3: dude. She her her fucking house is literally like ten minutes away from mine.
2: Bro, okay, so when I get elected president in 2024. Um, I'm gonna pardon Joe Exotic, and I'm gonna have the FBI. Just we're going for a full. I'm gonna get Gibbs from that show NCIS, bring him in, and that <laughs> motherfucker from yeah. the other NCIS show from Vegas, and we're gonna bring them in, and we're gonna really see and get that kid that's like with the serial killers from that TV show where they like to just watch all that murder porn on ABC. We're gonna get we're gonna get them in there, and okay. we're gonna find out what happened to Carol's husband because. I'm a fuck out eight. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oklahoma, man, Oklahoma. All right, uh, Bruno, when you look across the industry, it can be from whatever lens you want to choose, whether it's your personal lens, whether it's your brand from uh, Paint Assassins, but when you look across the industry of where we're at, what
3: what makes you angry? When people put down other people. That's what really pisses me off is when somebody's truly asking a question on what to do and you got these jack offs out here just telling them the wrong fucking shit. Like it's a joke, like help them out, help them help understand. What do you mean when somebody asks, uh, well, what's the, if somebody put like, uh, I'll use silics as an example, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh, uh, I got this new product and I want to use it on my car. And you got all these people just saying, bashing them like, oh, you're not a real detailer. You know, you just do, it's horrible. OK, yeah, we know that it's a, not a great product and it's not a ceramic coating. But don't fucking go out there and say that. Just be like, hey, you know, this is probably a better product you could use and start them out as a uh, with a, a level entry coating, something that's easier for them to use instead of something like that. Like they want to get to the level that they see everybody else at. And that's not a bad thing. But when people go and dog somebody for using a wrong product or using something that's not, like, has a big name on it, it's like, who cares? Let them use what they want to use. Give them a little tip here and there. Like, I have a personal list of... Uh, just of, the tip?
2: <laughs> it's, he just used the top of his head.
3: Yeah, just t- So, I, have, I don't know I, if you guys
1: have heard the... uh you guys draw a
2: line, like, right here?
1: Where Jim... No. <laughs> jen uh, from cars Metology and renee uh the Buffing queen came by but it was a hilarious episode and and there was a moment where jen didn't understand she just kept going yeah it was just the tip and then, and then like it swirled <laughs> around it was like just the tip just the tip it was great just, shop talk tip. is the best so just the tip keep going my bad
3: so I have a personal list of products that I've, that I use, or I have used, and I don't use anymore, but I still think they're good products. And somebody's like, Oh, what do you, what do you suggest I use? I'll just send them the list they're like, here, here's a list and here's where to buy them and just pick what you want. All of them are going to work great. But when somebody's sitting there and they're using like the chemical guys, uh, I forget what they call their compound. Like like the, the V, the V compound
2: What is a VO, VO five.
3: Yeah, some shit like that. But when I see somebody who's yeah, that and somebody's dogging them for using it or using a uh, cable or, or a torque uh, polisher and they're like, oh, you are not to read detail if you don't use like Rupes or some shit. I'm like, dude, what? Like, what kind of shit is that? That's not what the, that's not what the industry should be. Like, who cares if they want to use a porta cable Who cares if they want to use a torque? Who cares if they want to use a Flex or a fucking Rupes? As long as they get the same results as you did, that's that shit, all that, that matters. I just hate when people dog people. I, I absolutely cannot stand it. It's like being an industry bully. Oh, and yeah. you
1: think it's mostly because of what? Why do you they think to look, cool look like other people? people?
3: They just wanna look cool and they wanna look like they know it all. Nobody knows it all. I don't care who you are. Nobody knows it all. This, this industry evolves a lot and quickly. Just like Trap said, shit moves quickly. And you got to keep up with it but you know when these people are just starting out they're just starting out they don't know a lot of stuff and it's up to the industry industry leaders and i use that term very loosely uh to come out and just guide these these other new details in the right direction do you think the problem with
1: industry leaders is there's usually a reason in their back pocket that they're trying to push people a certain direction you yeah, know, they're, I mean, they're could, usually a brand a rep that, they, that is getting paid to say certain yeah. things.
3: Yeah, it could be come from a rep who who says certain things so they can promote and make money off of them, or it could be just somebody is simply just so having not somebody they don't want to be better than them. They they see they probably see it as a threat, and they're like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to teach this guy what I know because he might be better than me, especially if they're in the area. I've seen that a lot.
2: A lot of people wanna think that whatever they use and whatever they advertise is the best on the market for their own branding. When mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize that it doesn't, you can use whatever you want because the, re- the results are the same. Um, there's a lot of um, reps for companies that are out there that will deter people away from finding what works for them because of their financial goals. Um, which isn't necessarily always bad because obviously but you guys
1: think that separates detailers you know there's a lot of detailers that would just be brand reps and they like they love to put out uh, you know and there's just i think there's a, i think there's out. a
2: lot of detailing simps out there there's a lot of people simping for these product brands hoping that they're going to get allocates and notice or they're simping for detailers online to make sure that like like oh like i'm getting you know notice from X, Y, and Z figurehead, right? And they just like, there's a lot of copycatting. And it's like, well, a lot of people complain about products they've never fucking used before because they sent for some guy who said that they didn't like it. Yeah. But they sent for a different brand because of their marketing campaigns, right? And it's like, yeah, you can work with companies and there's not one product that's going to change your shop. The only thing that's consistent is you, right? And like I said, you can give. You can give me a potato, some toothpaste, and a fucking bottle of water, and I can probably polish a headlight with it, and have it look good, right? (laughs) Not like I
1: mean, okay, I love the, but how?
2: Okay, so you got to think about it this way: the potato itself is starchy. Starches are fibers, right? Use the toothpaste because it has abrasions in it, right? So you can actually use the toothpaste as your compound, right? And then you use the uh, the water to create a little bit of lubrication, so you're not rubbing dry potato on that headlight. So you're not creating an issue of having too much resistance in the pot. <laughs> just
1: a little water. It can't yeah, be not a lot. lot. Yeah, just you know, maybe
2: sprint. to maybe to clean up the French fry juice afterwards too. You might need a little water.
1: All right. Have you tried it? Because I'm
2: no, I'm, I just made I'm, that up completely off the top of my head.
1: I, I, I might try that man I, I mean I'm, I'm kind of it kind of does make sense if you find the right toothpaste right it's got to be a whitening toothpaste
2: um or it could maybe be maybe arm and
1: hammer because arm and hammer does have some grit to it yeah
2: if it has grit to it and arm right. I'm to gonna it.
1: fucking try that no doubt no doubt I'm gonna fucking try that
2: there we go there's your next TikTok video
0: there you go yep. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no doubt hey so let's I TikTok was on the list it's much later but let's hop to it Uh, I think both of you have... No? Trap, you're out on TikTok?
2: Oh, I love TikTok. I was gonna say,
1: I thought both of you were very active on TikTok. Bruno, I think you started to become Paint Assassins and started to become more, uh, active on the platform. Uh, why? (laughs) Why? Uh, I
3: don't... I mean, I was against TikTok at first. I didn't really understand it. I was like, oh, what the fuck? It's just a bunch of goofy videos. But then I saw a bunch of details getting on it and I I like it. I mean, it's another way to, to brand yourself and brand your company. And I was like, fuck it. And I'll make one for paint assassins. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll just post a bunch of shiny shit and fucking see what happens. I started doing that. And I was like, you know what? I'll start doing what I do with my Instagram and start giving shout outs to people and posting their work too. And, uh, when that happened, uh, I posted a low rider that, uh, I did with a couple of other detailers and literally like my fucking followers went up. Like it was crazy. I was at like 80 something followers. And then like two days later, I was like over 300. I'm like, Holy shit. I was like, all right, cool. So now I'll start using it to, to promote more of the clothes that I'm coming out with the, the t-shirts, the hoodies and all that stuff. I'll start using it. That's just another, another platform for me to use. So why not fucking use it? It's, it's not, not just another platform,
1: ability. right? Trap. Hold on a second. Like, so you mentioned some numbers. We're we're all probably old enough to have seen some of the development of the different platforms start to grow, mm-hmm. and so to be able to have this moment with TikTok, where we've probably all at some point when you hopped on Facebook, and then you hopped on Instagram, you know, you were on YouTube. So there's. There's different parts where we have all come on to different platforms. And to be able to see a platform this early, but producing those results, it, it literally is why, I mean, over a year ago, we started saying as a company and as a brand, like, hey, detailer should be on TikTok. It's the creative platform, the ability to be able to, to figure, like you can do so many different things. And if detailing is, which we believe detailing, is a, an expression of who we are. You know, I mean, there's a lot of us that would consider uh, detailing to be an art form, right? So if we think of it that way, then, and especially on Paint Assassins, you see incredible artworks displayed, right? The way they they, you know, they, they they do it, whether whatever pad, whatever product, whatever tool, whatever goes into the actual work, and then they need to take the visual capture of that moment. I mean, how is that not artistic? That that's art. Yeah. And so so in this platform of TikTok, you can use your artistic artistic expression and develop more creativity. The reason why I think I want to continue to encourage detailers to be on TikTok is then also from a business aspect and from being 42 years old and being an old motherfucker. Like I've seen platforms. You guys have seen platforms. This is a platform that detailers really must be on. And I, we're, we're about the only people that are saying and yelling and, and hopefully that the more we'll get onto it because it's such a great spot for it.
3: There's you, you well, the thing too, you're gonna be targeting a whole different demographic of, of people. All the young people are on TikTok now. I mean, not saying that they're not on Facebook or or Instagram, but TikTok's exploded. And I mean, there's a lot of people, young people that you can target your business to.
2: It's not just young people. There's a lot of people in their like 25 to 35 range.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, I consider that young? And
2: the... uh... (laughs)
3: thank
1: you well i think to his <laughs> point right so bruno five years ago or three years ago uh i don't remember when tiktok got they bought it, it used to be called musically and then the early spring up of tiktok was nothing but like i i sometimes would go on and and i, and I like i was like listen i can't look at that i mean i'm, I'm a 40-year-old you don't man. want to watch
2: a girl with cat I'm a, ears 41
1: year old man like i just like come on like and that's for, like, if you're 18, if you're, you know, like, cool. Very talented. It was for, that, it was for them. But so much the, way the, the way the platform has exploded, you know, you're right. It, the age has grown tremendously up in, higher to the 30s, even into the 40s. Look, well,
3: I, I people... was on TikTok the other day. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chad. But look, I was on TikTok the other day. I love music. And there's two people that are, are artists, but they have regular jobs and i they, they were promoting their music on on the tiktok platform i would have never found these guys if i wasn't on tiktok they put out phenomenal music i love rock and they were they were hitting it man i'm telling you that yeah. shit was hot and I, like i said i would have found them on facebook hey you
1: know you and and you know there's there's different detailers brandon from tim's mobile detailing he he does a lot of tiktoks and he said he's starting to get regular people reach out to him locally mm-hmm. because they saw his TikTok video. I'm yep. getting people, even young, like when we say, you know, we said a second ago, like young, like I, I, there's, there's a kid, like, I mean, I don't know. I didn't, I can't dig too much. He's, he's got to be 10, 12. I mean, he's a super young kid. Just sends me a a, a a comment and says, hey, my dad's a detailer and such and such. Oh, no, no, this is my stepdad. And so I'm like, hey, send me his, you know, but I'm like, fuck, it's a little kid. It's, it's hard to, you know, like go back and forth with, send me your dad's information so I can reach out to him. But either way, like it's a platform that allows our industry to be very prevalent.
2: Well, there's two things that are very satisfying for people to watch. And that's cleaning videos and twerking videos.
0: <laughs> those are the
2: those are like the two like things that people will like oftentimes like find themselves watching over and over again is like people like that satisfying before and after of like those hyperlapse cleaning videos. Yeah mm-hmm. right and then with TikTok and specifically you're looking right now at a time when we're at like the golden age of tech companies and social media is behind us. Right. It's only going to be further regulated from this point forward. And you're going to start seeing these, these places where we used to, you know, reside used to be forums. Then it went to MySpace. Then it went to Facebook. Then it went to Twitter. Then it was Instagram. Right. And now it went from, you know, then it was, you know, Vine and YouTube and these places that have their like when they were in their prime. Right. So now we're looking at what's the next social media platform. And it's going based on discoverability, right? You can go from zero to 100,000 followers very fast on TikTok. Like- Oh
3: yeah, very fast.
2: And it just takes, it could take the video with the guy with the cranberry juice, right?
3: He got a fucking car out of that.
2: Well, it changed his whole life- Exactly. a nine second clip, right? So the discoverability and just creating, and you notice now the younger generation who would like to engage in this kind of content, they, you know, They're about more of the positive vibe aspect, right? So satisfying videos, positive vibes, right? Like a lot of people are getting off of social media from toxicity, right? So you'll find people are engaging less and less on these other platforms as they become more pay to play for advertiser friendlies, as they start, you know, bleeding subscribers because they can't, you know, there's a polarization going on or government regulations all these kind of things that we have to be considered about when we're dealing with how we're going to continually grow our brand based on what's the evolving market on how we're going to gain exposure.
1: All right. So it's exact point. You mentioned brand, right? Bruno, as you're trying to grow a brand, but then you're seeing detailers that you, come on. I mean, you've got to look at some of them and go, Hey, listen, they're not really growing themselves as a brand. They're, they've pigeonholed themselves in a, in a direction that is maybe just around themselves, but not necessarily a brand. Let me, let me ask that a different way, that might not make sense as I say it. Ah, uh, all right, so you didn't grow pain assassins, sorry, you didn't grow Bruno's uh, correction training. You, you were trying to grow a brand of pain assassins. And and I think that the point uh, of where I'm trying to go with it is as you chose a a name and a brand to go after instead of your own Bruno. First of all, I want to ask why. Well,
3: Bruno Bruno doesn't sound cool. Okay. Uh, uh, There's that guy
2: from that movie, Sasha Barraconda Bray to Bruno.
3: No, see, we're not going to go that route.
1: (laughs) And, and then so, so since you you didn't pick your name as. No, no, your company, Bruno's not
3: catchy, man. I don't care what anybody says, yet. Yeah. one two, pain asses is catchy.
1: It's catchy, and it creates opportunity. It's not tied around you as Jason Bruno. right, right? So it allows you freedoms, especially in a place like TikTok. So if a detailer is going to create, and, and we've we've all known, we've we're seeing so many people starting to come into the industry or they're just young in the past one to two years. Speak from your, you know, just over yourself building up paint assassins. Why did you choose it? I know you said, you know, Bruno didn't sound good, but there's a lot of detailers that pick their name, right? Uh, J Bob's mobile detailing. Right. you know, instead of picking a name and building a brand, you're literally building a brand.
3: All right. So when I'm building, when I, when I, when I first started the pain assassin thing and I wanted to bring it to a brand, I, I think making it. Calling it Bruno's whatever, does not make it for everybody? You know, it kind of just makes it, you know, this is mine. This is mine. It has my name to it, but pain assassins. it, It could be for everybody. Everybody could fall under that name, you know, it's not like, okay, well, Bruno wanted this, but no, Pain Assassins can do this. It can do whatever we want compared to just keeping it tight, just with my name. I don't want my name attached to the brand because I want it to be for everybody. I like it. I like you don't it. Want and I'm not saying that people who choose their name for the detail company is a wrong thing to do. I mean, to each his own, I mean, Blue Star Auto Salon. I, that's a catchy name but honestly if you used you know traps auto salon that'd be pretty cool too i'm not gonna lie <laughs>
2: oh, I, I thought about it it was on the list but you also <laughs> got to look at this right so there's what i like to call the papa john's scenario where papa john's built a whole brand around papa john's and now papa john's is not papa john's anymore it's papa Shack. right right so in a brand sense it doesn't make any fucking sense. (laughs) So when I was coming up with my name specifically, I wanted something like, I have a lot of people from that used to call me trap star from that young Jeezy song back in like the mid 2000s. Right? That's how it all started. Right? So I would sign my last name trap with a star. Right? And like, that's how I got the idea. And then when I was coming up from my, uh, when I was coming up with the name, I was like, i was like I, my favorite color is green so i was gonna go green star but in washington at that time all the pot shops were green whatever because they're the pot just became legal right so like all these llc's were popping up as pot shops and i didn't want some fucking you know chaz to walk in and be like hey man is this the weed place Be like no nah, man you got a car <laughs> and he's like nah <laughs> so like so but we're environment we're pre- we, we try to be pretty environmentally friendly and we utilize a lot of steam and you know we're low water consumption, you know, low runoff, low VOC chemicals, right? We don't like, I don't, you know, I'm, we try to be more on the uh, environmentally friendly side. So like water's blue, so we like blue star. And then I had my, uh, uh, my friend Don over at tiny stars, creative, come up with a bunch of logo ideas to integrate the star from when I used to sign my name, um, into the name blue star. And then came up with a way to make the the word blue stand out a little bit more by putting the three parallel lines on as the E as a little bit of flair to like, instead of just being the word blue and then like some random stuff.
1: So you would say, you know, picking something other than your name gives you a lot of creativity. It also gives you uh, more availability as a brand. I think we can all agree on that, right?
2: Yeah, no. So like I said, like you can put blue star in front of anything yeah um so it's like blue star bodega is the grocery store uh blue star media that that can be you know your
1: he said "Blue star, he's already got the grocery store set out yeah. when you buy a twinkie you get tire shine you know when you <laughs> buy
0: and then <laughs>
2: when, you know also like When you the... buy
1: a cupcake you're gonna get an express interior i and, like it man i love it
2: and uh so when i'm thinking about like the branding side of it is you know, it's like, how can it be utilized? And like my LLC is Green Melon, right? So it's not even, you know, so the things that we are just random, but having a brand that's not tied to my name also allows the flexibility if I do sell it, oh. right? So somebody, somebody came to me and was like, I'll give you $2 million for your it, business. It's
1: non-scalable yeah. is basically what you're saying. If yeah, somebody not... ties something to their own name, it's actually non-scalable beyond that person.
2: Yeah. Because that person's the entity. Right. So it's yeah. like if I so sold Blue anybody
1: Star- that's choosing a name, please, no matter what you're doing, please don't choose your own name as your business. I think I think it's a great point. So uh, I, I'm going to go into something a little bit more touchy. Right? This is. Uh, I love love both of your uh, viewpoints, but there's there's no doubt that in our industry, there's a lot of fighting. Yep. No doubt that there's a lot of fighting. I, I'm, I'm going to mention a couple specific people just because I, I, I really am curious what your guys' thoughts are. When I said earlier, like, there's very few people I knew in the industry, right? Like, like I said, certain people would walk in front of me. I, I've mentioned, I, I was recently on the Rennie Doyle podcast. The first time I met him, he had his sunglasses on. I'm at this booth and I'm like, is this guy got his fucking sunglasses on? Like, it, it's really interesting. I didn't know anybody. Rennie was the first person that sat down at the Pints and Polishing podcast first pub night. Listen, I walked over, shook his hand. I was like, listen, man, thank you so much. Like we recorded our very first content about him drinking beer. I mentioned that on his podcast. It meant a lot to me that he would be the first person at our first event. So, you know, I I, I might have looked at somebody in one way, and then he turned out to be a little bit different, right? Like, we can judge people based on their appearance. Happens all the time, right? No worries. There's interesting of what happens in groups or in just in the the whole over overall industry with. My, there's there can be a lot of fighting and I am I'm, I'm a very passive guy. I mean I, I grew up when I say I've tried to say I grew up very conservative. Conservative Southern Baptist Christianity, listen, we we don't we don't do there's no there's no fighting. Like it's it's completely passive in my views of life. So it, it ingrained in me as a kid. I, I'm a very passive guy. I, I don't like any controversy. But I see a lot of controversy in the industry. There, there's some of these, I'm going to mention, I just, I would love to know your perspective, right? Like uh, there's been some extreme fighting with, was it Joey, Joey Love and somebody there? And he's, he's posting pictures and wanting to fight this guy and they're calling each other out and certain things like. Uh, That's just it, Joey. Okay. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, I I don't know people, so that's why I wanted to ask. Like, so other detailers are going to see that. How, how do you guys answer? What, what does that do for our industry? Is that good, bad? Like, how, how do you guys deal with that?
2: It's not, I mean, I made the mistake of calling out people once and, uh, I, uh, i've chosen not to give them the free marketing no matter the situation uh a lot of times like dude you see fucking call outs all day long in the detailing forums and it's just fucking
1: that's what i'm saying like i don't know like that's what i'm saying i I meet people and i love to shake their hands and i i I like i enjoy people now if somebody has a viewpoint that's their viewpoint cool but what, why do people want to fight? I, I don't understand. Uh,
2: it's, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a symptom of the times we live in, right? We're in a completely polarized mindset when it comes to other people's values and opinions and life experiences. So, and there's a lack of empathy based on what, you know, like, yeah, people make mistakes all the time and now people just get fucking flamed for it, right? It's this whole cancel culture mentality that honestly is just a whole cancer across the entire fucking, you know, internet ecosystem. So I don't think it's unique to just the detailing community. It's just one of those things and like I said, like I I made the mistake of calling out a out a company that did some pretty shitty things to me and my business.
1: I, and it was a story. I don't, know, was, story. Well, I and don't it, know what you're talking about.
2: Uh it's something I'll more explain off air. I'll let you know, it's like I said okay. cuz it's not it's not something that I'm willing to broadcast anymore because cool. it's a detriment to my branding. Cool. Right? And like I said like people are going to do what people want to do and if people want to flame each other on the internet because of what product they use or who they're aligning with or what companies paying paying them for, you know, sponsored posts, like who gives a shit, bro? Like let them get their money. Right? Like we don't if you want to flame people for You know x y and z or shitty work like at the end of the day you're not hurting anybody but yourself and the whole reputation of the industry and across the whole internet is like people are just leaving i know more people that have left facebook groups because of the negativity than positivity that's why i like the pain assassins group right Right. so
1: bruno you mentioned 101 auto geek i looked to the other day their numbers are continuing to fall like I think you're right. I mean, the toxicity in that group. I, 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 think you're right. I think, I think they're starting to really fall. Anyway, go ahead, trap.
2: Yeah. So like, when you when you look at these Facebook groups, right? And again, it's it, there's a new Facebook group every week. Like, fuck, I made one at one point. Like, still out there. There's a new podcasts. one that wants to
1: tell you you can make a million dollars.
2: Yeah. Like, and you can. A lot of people. A lot of people don't take other people. They take the wrong people.
1: You can, but but trap. Come on, you know how hard that yeah, is. Hard, hard okay. isn't
2: impossible. Hard is okay,
1: hard. but that they're gonna have a step-by-step process for you. This is this is you. Let me look at you and go trap. Could you follow a step-by-step process and make a million dollars?
2: Yeah, I just need to convince you know a bunch of people that my process will get me a million dollars, because it's not the. The process is to get Did the you just people to buy a scam? into your process.
1: Did you just yeah. call it a scam? I'm pretty sure you just called it a scam.
2: No, I called it a, it's, it's I'm laying forth a plan for me to make a million dollars by getting you to sign up to learn about the plan that I have to make a million dollars. It's that easy. So for $19.99 a month, you can learn about my plan to make a million dollars based on the plan that I've put forth to convince you to give me $20 and the <laughs> other 20,000 people that have been following me. And I'll take a bunch of cash and float up in the screen and be like, this could be you. Or, you know, if maybe you want 20 leads, 20 more solid ceramic coating leads, if you pay me 500 bucks, I'll make a Facebook post on in your ads campaign and draw a bunch of shitty leads to your business that you can't close.
1: So I think the interesting part of some of that scam is when it get to that lead part and you ask them, right? I took a phone call recently from a salesman. He's walking me through the process and they're going to send me these leads. And I go, how much does that lead cost me? And he said, $19. So at the point that I get a lead, I have to acknowledge that I'm going to pay them $19 for simply a lead now it's not a guarantee right that's what a lot of detailers don't understand sales because they've wanted to pay somebody to do the sales for them however they've never really developed sales practices so to give away 19 dollars for a maybe
2: there's a lot of gambling there
1: that's a i can say i've bought i've bought
2: some leads yeah. That, you know, but I also like to support companies with millionaires, you know, <laughs> I also, I'm one of those, I Nintendo billion dollar company. Those motherfuckers got my wallet right now It is unfortunate. And mm-hmm. it's just, and I, you can have taken a test of the Pokemon card packs, right? Each one of those packs is $4. You know, there might be every 10 packs, something that's worth something. And it's not even worth the four pack or the 10 packs prior to pull it right so when you're looking at like these marketing companies and all these people like they have their place in the industry right they're to help people get going but a lot of people use it as a crutch and it circles back to the branding that you position yourself in right so yeah, yeah. the blending training for
1: somebody else instead of building right
2: them. so when you're talking about the blue star branding right my brand isn't piggybacked off of other people's branding. I made that mistake once, you know, where, you know, it was, you know, I was using another company to drive sales to my business, but not realizing that that other company was cannibalizing my market. Yep. Because if the leads aren't going to me, right. Because I'm not picking up those leads. Well, who's the closest person to me? So they're going to reach out to that person, yep. get them signed up. And now there's two of us mm-hmm. and, they, and it, it cannibalizes to the market.
1: They tell you, you got a territory until you don't spend enough.
2: Or, the t- the, t- the territory is only as good as how or, far the lead goes.
1: Or if there's another salesman from that same company that decides to add somebody to the territory and didn't communicate with the salesman that you are working with. That's my story.
2: Yeah. And anyway, it, it'll continue it, to happen. It does
1: happen. Like it's, it's horrible. Detailers have been completely taken advantage of. It's, it's disgusting. Uh, a lot,
2: a lot of, and you notice in the industry, a lot of detailers have sold out their brandings to bigger brandings
0: mm-hmm.
2: instead of just being like, yeah, you can use good products. And I have, I have my deals with my companies that I deal with. And, you know, like I do trainings with SV3. i work with angel wax. I've worked with ceramic pro. Um, like, the 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 idea is now my branding is the first thing on the market right it's i'm not putting somebody i'm not changing my name for anybody yeah. i'm not becoming x y and z yeah. right it's it's just me and if you want to come if you want to deal with me then you can deal with my company if not i'm not too worried about it right because again it's because when when say the company sells right or my representative moves on to a different company and now I, I no longer am getting the treatment that i thought i was supposed to be getting right and you've built your branding on what other companies want your branding to be granted you might be very successful following their their following their their xyz you might as well be a franchise right and franchises make lots of money right you can do very well as a franchise but that's not your brand anymore Right? You're living up to other people's expectations of what your company should be instead of creating the expectations that your company can be something that needs to be.
0: If you
1: need help with that, building brand, uh, learning how to market your business, finding new platforms, and, and developing creative brand awareness, Hey, if you need help with that, please reach out to me. Go find me at uh, TikTok, at Detail Supply App, or reach out to me on Instagram. That's that's where I'm at most, and that's at Total Auto Solutions. Hey, just reach out, tell me you were listening to the podcast and you had some questions about marketing. I'll probably say, hey, what are your questions? And we'll toss some things back and forth. So, hey, if you need help with it, please reach out. I'm here for you. Enjoy the rest of the episode. <coughs> Yeah it, there's and and there's not right now. I like the analogy of uh you know franchisee. Currently, I have not seen in the industry any you mentioned Ceramic Pro but there's a lot of people that choose the name Ceramic Pro of you know I don't know call it whatever. Well that, well, that just that's I, just
2: their their they're powered by and their auto spa status.
1: Well, okay, but what I mean, though, is they're trading their own brand name. So their customer doesn't know them as Blue Star. They would know them as Ceramic Pro Seattle. Well, that's, that's horrible for long term. You're attaching yourself with a company that you, you hope that they're around, but they've been pointing in a direction that is not in the direction of the future economy so it's it's a rough it's a rough way to go and i think the lesson learned for young detailers is pick your own brand pick your own name it's okay like use whoever just you don't you need to put your own self out where we all know that how important whether it's pain assassins whether it's blue star whether it's total auto solutions like i didn't choose my own name for even my podcast i chose pints and polishing the the idea that i would put my own name in front of what the community might be i think it's just a it's a very uh self-centered self-fulfilling thing that somebody would ever put their own name in front of uh what could be much bigger than what it actually could be the, right. on,
2: the only time that ever works is when you're like a designer brand right like but even then like and
1: how hard is that I think is my point. Like it's a one shot, right? Barry yeah. McGuire was able to do it. There's certain people that will be able to do it, but fuck, I mean, that's a that's a point oh 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 one. I mean, it's just such a fucking yeah, one shot that it's just not even worth it. You and, should spend your time elsewhere.
2: And my yeah. and my shop was a powered by ceramic pro shop. So it used to be blue star Auto Salon powered by ceramic pro for a long time. And when I was kind of earlier in my you know detailing career as a professional business owner and stuff like that, like I use that leverage to help grow my business, but it came to a head point when I decided that I was going to go help one of my friends out with the training event. And I was awarded, I got an accolade for it and stuff like that. And then I'm instantly like, I got a call the next day that, you know, my stuff was pulled because it wasn't in their brand's interest. Right. So which turned out to be kind of like better in a sense, like, it worked like it, it pulled that crutch out that like, I don't, I don't necessarily need it. I still use the product. It's still on my website. I love the product. I love the people. I love my, I love my representative. Like shout out to Jennifer. She's amazing. Right. But my branding is first and foremost now. Right. Like I don't have to, I don't have to be, I'm not leveraging other companies to drive sales to my business. Right. Because, in an industry where growth is the only thing that matters to these companies, that growth is gonna trample the growth of your business because they're gonna grow their business. Because they're gonna
1: try and force stuff down on you that you could have maybe done your own self or, hey, you you know, I don't necessarily have to have something that changes color or something that does some wow factor when I spray it. Like, how do I just clean a car, make my customer happy, and make some money. I mean, I I think to me that would be what any business should strive to do. Bruno, I wanna ask you, uh, have you ever felt embarrassed to be a detailer?
3: No. Nope. Never. (laughs) All the time. I've never felt embarrassed. I mean, if somebody wants to talk shit about what I do for a living, then whatever, that's on them. I'm not gonna lose sleep over somebody who thinks that, I'm a lesser man because I detail cars for a living compared to somebody who sits at an office desk. I mean, I, I, like I, said, I was an infantryman for 10 fucking years. I, I went to sniper school. I went to Afghanistan. So, you know, I had a good first, as my first career It's pretty damn good. I have a lot to be proud about about that. Yeah. And, you know, when I transitioned over to being an auto detailer, I have no shame in that. I know what I can do and I know I, I can make people happy with, with the result that I give them with their, their vehicle. So I have, I have no embarrassment whatsoever. I mean, I still make money. I still provide for my family. So what is there to be embarrassed about?
1: I don't know. I, I mean, the only time I think I've been embarrassed is maybe I, I, I you know, I, when I
3: say I started Look, this
1: out of my garage-
3: Trap is a business owner. He's a business owner, okay? This motherfucker runs a detail shop. He just opened up a second location. What does he have to be embarrassed about? Nothing. Uh, So, Uh, so that was exactly going
1: to be my point. Like, so the only time I think I've ever felt embarrassed was, you know, my journey was starting this company out of my garage, coming off of a major loss of, of getting out of a car wash and starting to run a brand for somebody else creating another brand called Auto Spa at the mall. We had multiple locations. It crashed. I got fired. I'm, I'm left with nothing except $4,000, and I throw it into chemicals out of my garage. At that time, I'm on food stamps. I got two kids, a wife. I'm, I'm living with little. And so the times I felt embarrassed was when I showed up to soccer games and everybody else had... You know, these nice fancy stuff their kids to sit on and, and canopies over their kids, and you know, their kids had the, the nicest shoes. And the only the only time I really felt embarrassed was at that was those moments in society where I just as a man I, I I made some mistakes. As a man, I I I I had to I had to just dig deep. I missed a lot of soccer games because my customers Wanted their cars cleaned on Saturday mornings. So a lot of times I would show up at halftime or third quarter or whatever, and, and I'm I'm wearing clothes that you know I, I was trying to clean cars. So for me, it wasn't that I was cleaning cars, it was more of I just felt embarrassed of where I was as a man amongst so- everybody else that seemed to be doing so well, but I've never felt embarrassed about taking care of a customer. And building a business. And to me, that's detailing. To me, it's just taking care of a customer. I think that that we need
2: to stop calling ourselves detailers altogether because we're not. And Bruno hit it on the head. We're business owners, we're entrepreneurs, we're chemists, right? We're mold remediation specialists, right? We're other things than a guy that just washes cars. Like, one time I was at a I was at a car meet, and I'm with a, I'm with a guy. He's in his Lambo. I'm in my I'm in my other I'm in my uh, my Honda, my new Type R. And then we're with another guy, and he's got a Subaru. This kid walks up. He must have been like 12 or 13 years old, right? Young kid loves cars. Is at the car show with his mom, you know, walking around looking at stuff. And uh, he come he comes up to me. We're talking for a second. He's looking at my my fancy little Tokyo Drift Honda car—it looks just terrible, right? But he loves it, and you know that's kind of why I like building my cars a little more unique. Anyway, I was like, "Yeah," I was like, yeah, "I was like, what do you want to do when you grow up?" You know, I'm gonna be at high school soon. You Got an idea? He's like, "I want to be a detailer." I was like, "You should do that," and I was like, "I was like, you should definitely do that." I was like, "That's probably the easiest job you could get is in high school." Like, fuck it. When you turn 16, come to my shop. I'll give you a job. Yeah, right?
0: sure. I gotta so get another
2: as I, as I was talking to him. Right, you know, his mom comes by to pick him up or whatever, and she's, and you know, I was, like, I was like, hey, your son wants to be a detailer. When he turns old enough, he can come, you know, work on my shop. He's like, oh, my son's not gonna be a detailer. He's gonna get a real job. Detailers don't make any money. And I was like, huh? I was like, take him back. I was like, ma'am, I make more money than you do. Like, substantially more money than you do. And I don't have a nine to five job. I show up when I want to i you know i vacation regularly i eat whatever i want to eat if i want to spend 150 on a steak i can do it i'm not wor- i bought two fucking playstations brand new i haven't even opened one of them yet right that's you know like and but for her to say to her kid like detailers don't make any money well she's kind of right but she's looking at a perception is like we're just a guy in a wash bay washing cars for $10 an hour. Instead of being like, no, we're actual business owners that, own, that are tradespeople. So when you want your car cleaned because you won't do it yourself, who are you going to call? You What's that going to cost? The
1: industry has pushed that down on us because they're trying to sell us the next big thing to help us get to that achievement.
2: Everything's a game changer in our industry somebody wipes their ass like from like the side to side game changer right dude somebody's like dude i got this (laughs) thing it's this thing it's gonna change the whole industry and you're like oh you put a rubber tip on a vacuum like great you did it you didn't change the game you added a tool to the toolbox right and you see that a lot of misconceptions with people is like They're detailers first, but then their detail shops aren't making any money because they're an employee to themselves. Instead of thinking of themselves on a higher standard of a business owner, right, and an entrepreneur, an actual businessman. I could go to work in a suit if I wanted to, but I don't want to do all that. Like I Uh, hate pants.
1: So, so I actually for a while I used to go around in suit pants. Because I found that they were cheaper on eBay and you could buy bulk uh, suit pants that people wanted to get rid of, and you could buy them a lot cheaper than other clothing. So I changed my whole apparel to suit pants. And it was funny uh, a couple, maybe about a year ago, one of my customers made a comment how I had gone so casual and they missed me showing up in these suit pants. And I'm like, Look, it was because i didn't have any money i could buy suit pants so much cheaper because people would want to get rid of them
2: Oh uh, yes yeah, i like golf pants Golf oh, shorts yeah like like but for me like my my whole outfit is a black t-shirt a hat mm-hmm. and cargo shorts
3: yep same
2: around I had one of my buddies tell me that he was like, maybe you'd be taken more seriously if you dress a little bit more professional. I was like, well, unfortunately for me, I can't, fi- I got this dump truck of an ass that like, does not look good in like any sort of pants at all. But, like it is a straight dong.
3: Right? Not even those apple bottom jeans.
2: Oh no, dude. I just, those. Ugh. <laughs> I like. I look like yeah. one of those like, you know, those little like Russian dolls where they put the doll inside the doll. Right. Yeah. Just like that big bubble butt. Like that's all I got. And these
0: <laughs> skinny
2: little chicken legs because I'm standing all day. My calf game strong, but my ass game dump truck. Right. So like, but I I go have, you know, business meetings and I go to lunch with people that are very, very successful. Right. I talk to people who are very successful. Right. And not once has been like, me and my work clothes because i i do get dirty that has been like it's like looked down upon it's more like oh you just came from the shop didn't you because i'm always there right and it's when i when i went to vegas last year for the sema show we were i was going to the uh transparent uh
1: oh that big party yeah
2: yeah that big fucking vip party that they have with all the figureheads and everywhere that literally did nothing um they uh like I went to Vegas and I was like, I don't have any fucking pants, and I had to go. I had to go to the little mall next door to the because we're at Treasure Island, so like next door is like the Mall of America thing. We had to go there, and I had to go find pants for the for the thing that night. I don't own pants. I hate them. I hate pants. All right. My yeah. shoe game good. I got you know my shoe game and my hat game. So that's about it. The uh... now your glasses. Oh, dude. I am so glad that I discovered these double wide babies. Like I'm going for the mullet too. Like I'm just going to, I'm going to, I want, I want a neck tickler. I just want to be able to like scratch my back with it. You know?
1: I like it. Hey, Bruno, I'm curious as some of the difficulties of you starting as a brand and as you grow, have you, have you ever thought about quitting and why did you decide to press on?
3: I mean, yeah, a few times, but I mean, when I thought about quitting, it was just because uh, what I, I kept thinking, what will people think? What will people think? I'd never thought about what I thought, you know, what I wanted. I always thought about other people. I still do, but in a different capacity. So now I don't care what people think. People could say what they want. People could say, oh, it's just a Facebook group. It's just a Facebook group. I don't care. Say that all you want, because I already know what my plans are. I know what I'm doing in my life to push the brand to where I want it to be. I don't need to share it on social media either for people to be like, oh yeah, Pain Assassins is great. You know, I want people to think Pain Assassins is great for what it is right now. And then when it becomes something else, they can be like, oh man, I'm glad that he did that. It was, this is awesome. It's even better than what I thought it was going to be. So I got out of the mindset of caring what people thought. That's all it comes down to. I just, I focused on what I wanted and what my vision was and not what other people wanted and what their vision is.
1: I like it. Trap. what about you?
2: Um, I quit like four times a week. <laughs> uh, I think I quit on Friday. I'll see if I rehire myself on Monday. The, uh, the, uh... Dude, it gets hard, and uh, I guess it's that yeah. whole, that whole everything's great all the time. Is like, bro, that shit gets difficult, dude. Like, when you're like, when you're down, like things are slow, works behind, you get fucking five shitty cars in a row, and you just want to fucking burn the building to the ground. Like all that shit, like it weighs on you, yep. and you want to quit. And a lot of people develop bad habits out of the. uh Out of the stress of dealing with it right so like you need to be able to recognize when you're putting yourself into a mindset of being a quitter right because quitting is the sense of stopping something right you just you had a bad time right and most people want to quit when things get hard but if you quit when it's hard how are you supposed to enjoy it when it's good because if it's good all the time, it's never gonna be the same sort of outcome, right? You need trials and tribulations to make those high points feel their absolute greatest, right? So when you're having a low point and you wanna quit, that's that moment is designed to help you feel better in the future. So that's that's just the lull that you're gonna have before you feel better, right? So if you don't have a low, you can't have a high. And if you're just neutral all the time, then you're not really pushing yourself to be the better version of you, right? So if you're always acting within your comfort zone, you're not gonna see any growth, right? It's very scary to- And I
1: think that's so, I've taken some flack from some, some, some people that I don't mean to insult, but if you're constantly booked out two, three weeks, four weeks, two months like have you really pushed yourself have you really developed a business and that's that's where i i kind of say that and and how do you feel about that i mean because you said i mean if you got to push yourself farther but if you're always booked out is that really pushing yourself and is that developing yourself you, as a if business? if your owner?
2: business is booked out a substantial amount of time like you're you have a good model, you have a good reputation, you have the clients, but you're doing them a disservice by not scaling your business in a way to where you can actively get them in in an appropriate amount of time, right? So my shop, we do, we do quite, I mean, we're not one of the busiest shops in the world, but last month we did a hundred cars. In October, we did hundred cars and we work Monday through Friday, right? Like that's, you know, regardless of like, oh, I did 10 cars or whatever. Um, that's pretty busy, that's right? Good. Good. And for a two garage shop, two, basically two car garage, that's what we do it out of, right? Um, we're usually booked out around three to five days. And if it starts to drag out farther than three to five days, I actively look for somebody to hire, whether it be part-time or full-time, And I know that I'm going to lose money in a sense where it's going to cost me money to get them up to speed, but I'm going to be able to provide a better service for my clients. So say you're booked out two and a half months, right? One of your regulars, you know, their kid has an accident, right? In the car. Is that client of yours going to wait two and a half months to get that fixed? Right. Or is it going to go to one of your competitors and are they going to see better, better quality service? Are they going to see, you know, a different experience? Are they going to be charged? Yeah, it might
1: not even be better quality, right? It just could a different literally experience. just be the experience of getting the car in and you lost an account and over months and months and months, and especially moving forward into a time where, where, where literally where let's just repeat, we're, we're all acknowledging that we're seeing locally a lot of, businesses, maybe not in our industry, but that definitely trickles down to multiple people in our customer base. So if we're seeing that happen, I, I mean, I just don't know how
0: you lose flexibility.
1: ever continue to push down on detailers that they shouldn't actually develop business, but they should just use certain products. Like it's going to fuck them up. Uh, and that's,
0: i mean the
2: ceramic coating you use isn't gonna sell isn't gonna install itself yeah right so i look at it this way the longer you're booked out the higher the probability of a no-show even follow-up appointments right so even if you're following up you can call them in a month and a half and be like are you ready to have your car cleaned right that person gets off the phone with you and they're probably going to call another person to see if they can get in sooner yep right So like your probability of losing that sale goes up. So I look at it this way, right? So if I can charge and let's just say just for simple math, um, I can charge $100 for the cleaning, right? I can bring somebody on, pay them $20 to clean that car, right? Takes up an hour. I pay them $20 an hour. They make $20, right? My shop have just netted $80. Right, after labor costs, you know there's other expenses that go into it, but we won't go a into the
1: trap hundred dollars for a detail, know your worth. I no. mean, the big push big push to ma- major part of the industry over the past years has been know you worth, get a thousand dollars, get a fifteen hundred twenty five four grand it's, oh, it's I mean that's nice boom, boom boom it's been completely opposite of a hundred dollar detail that you profit $80 minus some chemical costs, minus some rent costs, minus some stuff. You as a business owner, you definitely profit at least 60 bucks an hour. When the fuck did 60 bucks an hour become an insult? Well, You know how many people would love to make 60 bucks an hour?
2: Yeah, well, people look at that $60 an hour as that's what they're making because I personally did that car and made $60 an hour. I didn't touch that car.
1: Exactly.
2: I just made $60 without doing anything, right? So that car just paid for itself, right? Well, that's not
1: detailing as the past years have been pushed out from certain brands. I, I have
2: services that range from $75 to $150, which I don't make any money on. But I have those services because it draws in people that I can potentially sell other services to, right? So I just sold a lady. We had just done two of her cars. It was her husband's and her cars. Um, we did roughly $400 service on each car. She tipped, you know, 100 bucks a car, whatever, right? And then as she was leaving, I she was like, I wish I could do this more often. I said, hey, I have this service Where you could just come bring us your car once a month with a tentative appointment. You prepay for it up front and you get two of them free. So she goes, okay. So I wrote up another invoice for $1,250 for 12 gift cards for 125 bucks a piece, two free, right? So we had just cleaned her car. Her car is going to be clean. We're seeing it every month. It's not going to be much to clean. Yep. I've just basically bankrolled one car. She'll probably get the other, the pay the other amount. But now I've also built a relationship with this lady. So, what happens when she gets a new car?
3: Boom, right to you. Exactly.
2: Right. What happens if she can afford to prepay for these services? Um, maybe six months down the road, be like, hey, you know, I'm starting to notice some, you know, wear and tear on your vehicle. Let's throw a five year on it.
1: Exactly. That's business. But can we all just admit that over the past years, the main industry push from brands has not been about that it's been about just getting big tickets one night stands
2: well a lot like i call it whaling so most people they're whaling right now they don't know how to fish there's a lot of whales out there right but if you don't know how to fish you're you're missing positive cash flow like you can do one you know $2000 job a week right And that's a great paycheck. That's $8,000 a month. That's a, that's a good salary for somebody working four days a week. Right. But that's not a sustainable business model. That's a high paid employee. You're not even making a hundred grand a year. You know, you make around a hundred grand a year, right. Including taxes, all that kind of shit. So like, like that's a good salary for what your time is, but that's not a sustainable model. Like you can get tickets of a thousand dollars a day. Right. It's, you know, Like my shop does fairly well. Like, and it's a mixed bag. We have, like today, I went into my shop today to pick up, to have to deliver on two cars. Two cars gonna pay me $5,500. One has 76 miles on it. The other one has, I think, 115, right? That's $5,500 I'll make tomorrow or on Monday, right? Well, I also have on Monday, I have three maintenance things, right? That's going to be, that's 300 and roughly $450 that I'll have one of my employees kind of knock out, right? I got a dealership account where we'll do, we'll just touch up our cars for a hundred bucks, right? The, you know, low hanging fruit, right? Just throw, throw a couple more nickels in the stack, right? It doesn't cost me anything. It just costs me an hourly wage that's being paid for by that vehicle. And then our high dollar stuff is the fruit of our labors, but our profits actually come from the little things that we do, right? Because we're taking all that money for that high dollar job to pay for all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. But that little stuff that we're not really, that money just sits in a little kitty and just keeps growing. Right. And then every once in a while, I'll just get a a check from enterprise or a car lot. And it's like, Oh, I think
1: it's because you play baseball and you understand the concept that there's very few hall of famers that go in just by hitting home runs. There's more hall of famers that make it long-term by constantly getting base hits, constantly getting RBIs, constantly performing as a full operation. That's a a
2: great analogy, but it actually comes from something my mom told me when I was little, my mom told me not to put barriers between other people's money in my pocket.
1: Nice. Love Love it.
2: When there's, I like easy. I want it to be an easy transaction. Like, are we doing full interior details, shampooing the seats, carpets, all that kind of nonsense for $150? No, we're not. We're vacuuming the car, blowing it out, wiping it down real nice, washing the car, cleaning your wheels, doing your windows, right? It's a light cleaning, right? It's general light cleaning. Most people look at California car washes, those same concept. It's not a full detail. Our full details are there but we can still make money on trickle and stuff. Right. I think where the misconception is when people talk about a hundred dollar detail is when people are doing like two stage polishes for $150 and working on it for 10 hours, like, bro, you're, you're killing yourself for no reason. Right. But a lot of people chase the high ticket dollars because they don't, they see $2,000 is a lot of money. Yeah. I see two.
1: All All right. Let's, let's finish up with a couple last questions. Uh, I know, Bruno, it's getting pretty late there. Uh, good thing, like you said in text message, good thing it's Saturday night uh, so we can stay up late, but we still want to respect uh, expect your time. So a couple last questions. Uh, Bruno, what's, what's your favorite life hack? Uh,
3: what's a life hack, dude? I don't know. <laughs> dude, I uh, do something that you have of
1: figured out that makes something easier the hard for way. you.
3: I know what a life hack is. <laughs> But I, I, I do shit the hard way, man. It's just how I am. I'm, I'm a fucking stubborn, hard-headed Bostonian, man. I don't know an easy way. All
2: right, I'm going to learn you something right here, guys. When you're making a grilled cheese, don't <laughs> spread, don't spread the butter There's on the bread. Attack. You're going to tear I, your bread up, right? Melt that butter. Clarify that butter in the pan. Dip that bread in it and do that twice. And then use that for your grilled cheese. You'll get a perfect crust every time.
3: Bro, I melt my butter in a bowl and I dip my fucking
2: bread in the bowl. So. What do you That's a lot of butter, bro. You, want, you, know what? you don't want high cholesterol. It's
3: like, not a lot of butter.
2: You're melting I a would, bowl? I got my throw weight, that bitch okay? in the pan. Save yourself a dish. <laughs> right?
1: All right. If you want to take that toast and uh, throw it in some pancake mix, uh, you can then throw it in some oil and make some good French toast. So Ooh. either way either way what you want to do with that toast all good
3: all right what's, so, your, what's your favorite life hack
2: <sighs> shotgunning white claws
1: yeah, right? <laughs> that's a all great right. question uh fuck it's a great question that's why i asked it i think my favorite life hack is trying to figure out how to not spend much to get more um and You know, I, I come from a father and a grandfather that, you know, my grandfather was a machinist out of Arkansas. Um, my dad was, you know, he was, he was nobody, no, nobody that anybody really knew. He just, he just, he worked to provide for us. He worked a bunch of different jobs. Like he did anything he could for us as kids and as a family. So, you know, I, I think, I think life hack for me is as I continue to, to grow through life is to find things that don't really cost me a lot that might produce more for me in a sense. Uh, can I reuse stuff, right? I mean, I, I reuse plastic bags. Uh, I reuse, you know, the whole part of a, a whole lot of the hyper clean line has is, is come out of just me as being, I don't know, thrifty. I. I I reuse stuff a lot. I've never understood why people don't reuse big, giant plastic containers. Like, I just, I don't know. So I think for me, life hack has really been, so for instance, here's one that that I've really enjoyed lately. I've found as more like uh, the bag concept comes to the market for different industries. I found a ultra concentrate bag that has a, a, a soap for when I'm washing myself. So I just reused the the whatever I was using before, you know that little plastic container, whether it was you know Dove or Axe or you know whatever. And I found a, a company off of Amazon that sells a, a bag of concentrate that I can pour into that little container and reuse it. I mean, I found that with uh, Tide. You know, I mean, I think stuff like that. I've if I look over. All right, how long have I had this? I've probably had this container for years, but I, I've just put mostly water and then just a little bit of soap because foam generation isn't really about necessarily always the cleaner. And foam is produced in different parts of the chemical makeup plus what generates it, right? So the same as car washing with foam cannons. And so, you know, so. Literally, I'll only put about that much actual soap and the rest is all water. I mean, so that's some of the life hacks I do, which transcend then into business. You know, I just... I I can't tell you how many chemical
2: companies out there just refuse to sell concentrate and just keep shipping us bottles of water at a premium across the country. Yeah. Like, nobody wants to buy... Let me dilute the shit how I want it. Right? Let me, like... I don't want to buy your premixed ready-to-use garbage because it's it's not going to be <laughs> cost-effective in my fucking shop. Oh, shit. Like, if you sell it in a concentrate, I'll be more apt to buy it and try and use it. But I'm not buying something that's ready to use. It's a waste of money. And when we've done 690 cars this year, right? I've done like 400 ceramic coatings, right? Sick. That's a lot of fucking cars. Mm-hmm. When you think about how much product you use per car, like anything ready to use, like I need to dilute stuff down. That's why like, that's why I like F-bomb or Wipeout is like, I can actually dilute stuff down to how I actually want the cleaner to work yep. instead of how much profit the person who's diluting it wants to make. Right. So mm-hmm. like, and plus like, dude, I'm, I'm not paying. Well, so we, water.
1: I mean, we found that in marketing, it's hard as chemical companies to It's just, I almost find it disrespectful. I don't wanna say that another chemical company's actual makeup of the chemical, I just don't wanna even comment on it. So I've actually just forced, you know, just our marketing around, well, how much water are they selling you? Let's not talk about their chemical. Let's just talk about the amount of water and the overpriced on the water. Is chemical water really that expensive? could you get water from your own local city that would save you as a company? And so that's sort of really been a, a, a most of the shipping costs
2: that goes into it. Yeah. Like shipping
1: costs goes into it. Yeah.
2: And it's like when I order stuff and I'm like, Oh my God, dude, it's going to be like $58 in shipping. Like, like it sucks. And I know most of the stuff I'm getting is water or packing peanuts. Like, like fuck dude, nobody wants that. Like no, figure out a way see. to ship your shit without it fucking blown up. Like if you get, if, if I can throw an egg off a roof with like this much packaging and that egg is fine, you can figure out how to ship your bottle through fucking FedEx when they're punting it across the warehouse. Like like you're making all this fucking money on these products. Like do a little R and D on a better shipping process.
0: Right? It's <laughs> a little better, bit, better
2: environment. Like do you put so much plastic, it, it's disgusting.
1: It is. All right, guys, thank you so much for your time. I know you guys both got families to get back to. So, you know, I want to give you guys a moment to just have your uh, final say. And, uh, you know, anything you want to say, Bruno, that uh, is is on your mind, anything you just want to, there's your chance.
3: Nothing. I think we covered a lot in this conversation. I mean, it was really good. So I mean, I can go on about a, a bunch of things we talked about tonight, but like it's almost midnight here, and I'd go on, it would be like two o'clock in the morning. So, I mean, we could save that for another time.
2: When's when's the when's the Pain Assassins podcast coming out?
3: I ain't doing a podcast, bro. I'm not jumping on that train.
2: Okay, fine. You can jump. You can be on my podcast.
3: Uh, Yeah, whenever it launches.
2: Dude, it's we're remember the slow burn we talked about earlier. Yeah. Uh, the wick's wet, so it's got to dry oh, out.
3: There we go, man. I'll, I'll be on your podcast, bro. Of course. I love it. I'm just, I'm like just glad mean,
2: that Marty over here has been inviting me because this has been a lot of fun.
0: Like, I'm yeah. having, I have a great time with guys. it.
1: guys. I, I really respect both of you. I mean, Bruno, you know, we've, we've hung out a little bit. Trap, unfortunately, we haven't. Hopefully soon. Um, oh, yeah. You know, but I respect you, you guys as, as, as what you guys do for the industry. So I, I thank you for the time that you've been coming on. Uh, Trap any last any last remarks anything you want to get off your chest
0: oh
2: yes let me tell you something fucking scalpers are ruining the Pokemon industry (laughs) so stop buying from scalpers motherfucker let me play PlayStation with my friends we don't need Francois to order 64 of them with the bot all right Secondly, be kind to each other. Stop. Nobody, we don't need to measure how big our PPs are against other people's PPs in the industry. Like we can all help people. You know, we all have something we can learn from everybody else, right? I do have
3: something to say, so keep going, Trap.
2: So if, you know, and like, if we really start like ignoring all these toxic call-outs, they'll stop happening because it's a bunch of people asking for attention like it does feel good to get a four hundred comment thread, right? That feels good. Give me, it gave me about that that nice little drip of dopamine and that little endorphin rush that I wanted because, ooh, look at my phone's going off, right? But we need to bring more positivity. We need to vibe better with each other. We need to build a solid community, and that starts with us. I think mean, community as uh coming up with a uh a way to really uh fostering some of the new people because if the new people get turned into this toxic environment and then we're just raising another, you know, everything we've worked for so far is just gonna become and and and
1: unemployed. we that have been in for the past couple of years, we cannot we we I'm just you, we we cannot dis- disassociate that there's not hundreds, if not thousands, of people hopping in the industry right now. I mean there's a lot.
2: Well with the unemployment so high like you're gonna mm-hmm. see more and more people detailing. Yep. Yep. This is the easiest business to start on the planet. Yep. Right? It's the easiest way to make money. And you'll find people that are hungry trying to provide for their families is getting yep. shit on because they're charging $40 to do a cleaning. What mm-hmm. if that $40 is feeding their baby? Yep. Right? So like, let's, let's, let's not knock people for not charging enough. Let's bring Thank people you. up to where we need to be. Thank and you. let's not, you know, let's not simp for these companies that don't care about us in the beginning. Let's build our own brands Let's provide for our own families and let's create a community that's very positive and inviting. So when people come into it, they're like, well, these guys are fucking assholes, right? Like you guys already have me in here. We have enough assholes, right? (laughs) So let's, let's be good to each other.
3: I'll just add on to that. And like, and I'm guilty of it too of of starting a little riff here and there, but if you, if you're going to start something, I mean, it may take, a day, a week, or a month to realize that you were wrong. And if you were wrong, apologize to that person that you were wrong too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with admitting that you were wrong and going to apologize to somebody for it either. Uh, in my in, in my thought, it, it shows that you're a bigger person to admit that you were wrong. So if you were wrong in any instant and you want to make amends or try to make amends with anybody, do it. Even if they don't accept it, do it.
2: It just takes takes the power away from them. It's like, all right, I'm done with it. I'm I'm out. I'm doing my own thing.
1: Love it. All right, Bruno, where do people find you on social?
3: TikTok, uh, Facebook, and Instagram, Pain Assassins. And you can find me at Jason Bruno on Facebook and Instagram as well.
2: All right, Trap? Uh, You can find me uh, here in my living room opening Pokemon cards. Uh, Also, you can find me at Blue Star Auto Salon and also detailers podcast where there is zero content but i did post a video of pokemon cards to it the other day so be on the lookout for that
1: okay so i saw detailers podcast i didn't know that was yours yes okay well oh you know with bruno we anticipate your invite so mm-hmm. whenever
2: oh yeah so i should have just been recording this thing just throwing it right on there
1: hey listen i'll send it over to you you can put it out
2: oh i appreciate it yeah
1: no worries yeah. i guess
2: yeah, Whatever that's you I need, started. I can
1: send it over to
3: you. So I
2: started that detailers podcast what last year? Last year, yeah, last year, and uh, it's been it's been slow because I'm you know at the kid moving mm-hmm. and I don't really have a, a space. But this new shop, to be on the lookout, dude. It, it's I'm gonna have a nice little studio. It's gonna be really nice lit. I'm basically taking the nicest Instagram shop that I can think of in my own brain, and I'm making an Instagram shop. Uh, so again, you can find me there, Blue Starter Salon. And I uh, will have a good night. Thank for having us. All right,
1: hey. well, we, all right, whatever you, we can do to help you out, Trap, just let us know. All right, absolutely H- happy to help out. So, thank you guys for both your time. Thanks for spending it with us on a Saturday night. And uh, thank you so much. Have a great night. All right, you too. All right, have a good one. Later. All right see you guys. <coughs> episode is over. Go leave a review, share the value, be a part
0: of community.